Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good whatever time you're listening to this. Uh, it's Do You Expect to Talk commentary time, and we are returning with the the best version of Thunderball. Um, <laughs> alternative version of Thunderball. Yes. The, what was the name of the uh, that producer guy who just owned the rights of Thunderball and nothing else? Kevin McClory. Kevin McClory. Yeah. The, the film that Kevin McClory can never let go. Uh, anyone who will touch on it during the film, um, those of us who, those of you out there who've listened to us for years, probably heard it all in the first run. Those who've picked up since probably won't. We'll touch on it probably if we don't. And you're interested. The reason there was an alternative Bond film, the reason there were right snafus over Casino Royale, and all that is touched upon in the Robert Sellers book, The Battle for Bond. It, yeah, definitely. It, it I can really recommend reading that one. It tells the whole story. It is it is based around the whole Thunderball story, but they the lawsuits around it happened around, finished around the time they got the rights to Casino Royal back. So there's a bit on that as well. But yeah, um, yeah. So the film we are doing is uh, Never Say Never Again. Um, yeah. Came out the same year as Dave's favorite um, Bond film, Octopussy. So um. yeah. they moved it. They moved it to three or four months later to keep it out of the way of that behemoth. Um, it, was, it was like probably tagged as the Battle of the Bonds, really, wasn't it? It was, and Octopussy won it. Oct- uh, they both did really well. I mean, they both grossed more than say A View to a Kill did, um, but Octopussy won by twenty some million. Octopussy grossed in the one eighties. This grossed in the one sixties. But again. A View to a Kill was in the low 150s, so uh, both both very, very decent uh, performers, um, but not not among the series peaks, if you like, mm. in terms of performance. But then I don't think this was a peak era for Bond, the late, the late Roger Moore era. Like I say, it's just all very safe, all very repetitive, and two, two men, really, who shouldn't have been there, but at least with this film, for all of its flaws, they had it suited an older Connery, you know, that him going to a health farm and actually spending most of his time teaching and things like that. Whereas you've got, you've got Roger Moore in the official series, just not facing reality at all and <laughs> fucking everything that moves, you know, and it's just like, you're too old. You are too old for this. Well, Connery's too old. Connery's too old as well, but at least, at least this suits an older bond. At least he's like with Kim Basinger, you he looks completely his age match. Um, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, she's mid thirties, but uh, in Bond girl, in Bond by Bond girl standards, that's like being seventy four. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, uh, yes, yeah, so I should introduce everyone. Obviously, if you regular as you would know, it's a background news and David Bond. And um, yeah, I'm surprised by this movie's length. I could have swore it's a good solid ninety minutes, but it's really not. Well, no Bond film is 90 minutes, and, I mean, again, Becca's the most indignant of us about this, whether it's a Bond film and all the rest of it. I, I get all that. But no, it's, it's, still, it's still styled it's still styled as a Bond film, and no Bond film is 90 minutes. Um, and I would, say, quantum. I would say a minority are under two hours now as well. So, um, And also, it's ba- it is based on Thunderball, which, is, which was a long-ish Bond film, mm. less so by... The, the novel's quite meaty as well. Well, I haven't read the novel. That would be a surprise for Fleming because his books are normally quite zippy. But um, There's a lot packed in there, definitely. But yeah, well worth yeah. a read. For sure. I mean, it's not like a weighty tome, but there's a lot to digest. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I say absolutely. I've not read it, but I have read plenty of Fleming, and um, well, I've read about half of Fleming, I think, to be honest, which is only what seven or eight books, I suppose. Uh, and I think about half of those I liked, and half of those I didn't like. I find him a bit in and out. But when when he's good, he, his books maintain a real momentum. Mm-hmm. You fly through them quite quickly. And what he does better than most authors, for me, is the way he finishes a book. The last 20, 30 pages of a, of a Ian Fleming James Bond book is normally very, very good. If you enjoy one of his books, you tend to pick up the next one straight away. No, is that quite good at like sort of cliffhanger type things like on? It's, it's just not. Yeah, it's kind of where it comes from, really, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not necessarily cliffhangers, although there are cliffhangers mm-hmm. in Bond, but you know, just the, the whole of Casino, the end of Casino Royale. It's not a cliffhanger, but it is about Bond's resolve to like go and grab, get the arm that holds the whip and stuff like that, and you just go right. What next? Oh, a load of racist bullshit. All right, fair enough. Let's, <laughs> let's hope the next book's better. You have to kind of yeah look at it in the context of, of when it was written. Um, obviously, looking back on it, it doesn't excuse it. But obviously, looking at it's written by you know many I, past I gen- generations, and you just have to maybe, think of it in context. Maybe it was a class thing though, but I think he'd have been an outlier at the time. I honestly oh, struggle sure. to believe that you read *Live and Let Die* and that would be reflective of how anyone with the skills would write a book in that era. I, th- I think mm. it's pushing it. I really do. But um, there you go. Uh, so yeah, I haven't read Thunderball, but uh, this is based on the book Thunderball, mm. effectively, as opposed to the Eon film Thunderball. Um, some subtle differences, and it does give the filmmakers problems as they go through it, because every decision that was being made was having to go through Sean Connery, Irving Kirshner, uh, Jack Schwartzman, the producer, Jack Schwartzman, husband, late husband, now, well, yeah, late husband of uh, Talia Shire. Uh, I think he's passed away anyway. And it had to go through a team of lawyers because it was like, are we going to get any problems from Eon if we put that on the screen and so on? And it just stymied the film terribly. Well, at least it gave us Edward Snowden. It gave us Edward Snowden. (laughs) Uh, It gave us... us, um, (laughs) Max von Blockenspiel. Max von Blockenspiel. It gave us us a truly filthy blacklight joke. Oh, (laughs) Um, God. And it gave us, and this is where Becca will disagree, but I think I think this is, I think this is Becca's prejudice against the film coming out because I honestly believe this is the better Largo. The la- the Largo mm, in Thunderbolt. Yeah, little from column A, little from B. The the Thunderbolt the the Thunderbolt one looks kind of more iconic because of the eye patch in that, but he's bland as shit. Whereas yeah, this, the, the, I, I think it's kind of more formidable, but I do I do like um, that that you know the, this. This time around, um, Carlos Maria Branda, I forgot his name there for a minute. I do think he's he's the more cerebral of the two, whereas I think Largo in, in the original is kind of more. He's definitely the more physical. He's in terms of like a physical match with Bond. I think he's really up there. The, you think he can do some damage, but this this one, I think he's definitely more cerebral. Definitely, he is very hands on as well. He's one of the more hands on Spectre agents. He rather yeah. than has his minions do it for him, he's actually head of the operation and goes out there and does it himself. Obviously, with with you know army I, of I men. Think you- I personally, yeah, it's more the original, cerebral, definitely. I think it was the first sign in the original series that the formula was just starting to get a little tired. Mm-hmm. I, I like, I, I like, I like Thunderball, but you, you know, it was just like not really Goldfinger, is it? Do you know what I mean? It was like you, you've brought yeah. along a villain that looks the part, but he's he's not that interesting. No, Whereas Brandauer in this is kind of menacing. The, uh, yeah, he's, he's he's quite scary, and there's an unpredictability to him as well, yeah. which I think you know adds a bit of edge. 
you know of danger and you don't quite know what, what he's going to do so um but you know it's a great great performance but i just think um adolfo Celli is a little bit more iconic but that's just my personal opinion um, yeah well i can't I mean, it's great but Iconic I'm also like the word. 80s, 80s music and yeah, but iconic, that's my outfit. And <laughs> you've hit on the word iconic. The thing with the Alfredo Celli one is you you would recognise his silhouette. You see the you know the eye patch and all the rest of it. But when you actually focus that what's beyond the physical, I don't mm. think he's, I don't think he's that impressive it, the, at all. The, the, the dub, the voice dub doesn't help that. I no, think no, they're obviously. Um, and you know, but yeah, I I, I see. I agree. Whereas we honestly think that Riet, the the uh, the Largo in this film, like he he would slit Domino's throat without a fucking thought. Yeah, the, the, you, you the, sort of think, the oh god, great, he's so The great thing about this Largo is the fact that he is just like he comes across as just an utter slime ball, but just yeah, with he's the hint. Really but the, it's, it's, there's there's a there's line there's line later on where you know as David Ferti where he's sort of like where he says. Then I slit your throat, and he says it's such casual kind of like he he alludes it with a little bit. <laughs> that's a bit naughty, <laughs> and he just says yeah. it casually, almost like sort of over as if it's like yeah, it's like it's nothing, and it's just yeah. very, and then then, it's then dangerous, then, isn't it? And, and then yeah. then he goes back to being a bit of a slimy kind of European. Kind of, it's like you just think, oh god, yeah, um, makes your skin cool. <laughs> I think the biggest again. It's not going to have the Eon touches, and we'll talk about that as we go through. But if I had to focus on one other thing I think is superior in the original is, the original Thunderball is actually a beautiful-looking film, and I'm not, I'm not sure this one is. No. Uh, but there are there are things about it that are better than Thunderball. There's only there's only a handful of things, but they are there. Uh, but uh, shall we get into yeah. this film? Yeah, anyway? we, we will pick them out as we watch it. So Yeah, okay. Um, Apologies, listeners, if uh, if I'm coming across a bit echoey. I'm watching it in my uh, living room, so uh, it's yeah. it's the same place I can watch it with house. the Queen and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same place I can watch a DVD at the moment. Cause watching it at Blenheim Palace, he's watching it somewhere big. Yeah, well, you won't be at Blenheim Palace because that's on lockdown after the theft of a gold toilet. <laughs> Randomly. <laughs> Well, yeah, obviously someone watched and, and suddenly a northwestern scallies moved in <laughs> and the toilet's gone missing yeah well, i first heard that story because my girlfriend sh- uh, shared shared like um that thing with me so because we, we always watch austin powers and she's yeah. and, oh. and she always said like yeah I want, I want a toilet made out of solid gold but it's just not on the cards is it <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly, well, now you can for 150 pounds. It's yours. <laughs> Look, yeah. don't, don't ask where I got this, love. <laughs> but I've got Edith's gold toilet. So there we are. Merry Christmas. Nice Police, are, Police are looking into it, but they've got nothing to go on. But um, <laughs> oh, that's uh, so funny. Anyway, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll do something counter free. Um, so um, one. Two and three. Yeah. In Becca's case, it really doesn't matter because she's on the DVD anyway. She'll, she'll be half hour ahead of us within. Oh, well, I'll be. Well, I can I'm, always pause it. I'm DVD as well, so. Orion cause... logo. The O forms now. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just about there. Orion is just. That is out. so eighties. That. I can hear that in my head. The music. I'm gonna have to turn up the wrong music. Actually, I'm he- I'm hearing the wrong music in my head. What's the music with the one with the it, horse? It, see, when you first see that, you feel like, oh my god, I got a really shit copy. Horse? <laughs> Don't yeah. you? It, it. This always sounds. This sounds like a dodgy VHS. I remember. I've got the sound off at the moment. It does. It just. It sounds almost slightly warped. Like smooth jazz. Yeah, it does yeah. sound a bit like that. 
You walk in a room. I can sing along, look, with the words. And yeah. this is meant to be dead glamorous, isn't it? Gliding yeah, shot it against, like, a swamp. It is. This is this is a, this would have made a pretty effective pre-title in an Eon format. Yeah, go straight to credits with him being like stabbed or something. You only live twice, Mister Bond. I don't know why they went with this version of the song because it's awful. Yeah, check out the alternate version. Uh, it's on the well. If I, if it gets via YouTube, because I haven't even cut a trailer yet, because we haven't recorded the show, I can't no. got any clips yet until we. Gotta do it in it. future. Uh, but it's gonna go to it's. Well, I'll have to, it's always weird. I always find it funny that people who like listen to this know more than we do. Like anyone listening to this now knows how long this show is because they can just look at their phone and we don't and things <laughs> like that because we haven't done it yet. You've got the edge. Um, but the the trailer music should be the should be the Phyllis Hyman version, which is just nicer. This one is Lani oh, Hall, who was married it. to Herb Albert of Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass, and it's just not very good. Director of photography Douglas Slocum. He yeah, used, that's amazing. Yeah, I totally used, forgot about that fact. Yeah, Douglas Slocum is best known for. Um, he was the one that worked with um, Spielberg, wasn't he? Yes. That's why it looks so good. Oh, I I momentarily got him. I I have got the right person. For a moment, I got me. You know, it's the double speed there where you sort of strangle someone. Yes. Blowpipe. Chop. It's like speeding up. For a a moment, I was like, did I mean Douglas Slocum? I did mean Douglas Slocum. Because uh, for a moment I got mixed up with Jeffrey Unsworth, who shot Superman the movie. But no, I did mean Doug- Douglas Logan. He, d- he lived to 103 years of age. That's incredible. Yeah. Most invigorated. Most be. invigorated, yes. Right till the end. Yeah. Oh. I don't get this sequence at all. Because he does seem to kill people here, and it's a training exercise. <laughs> but he does have a license, you know. Yeah, I know, but like, who would sign up to do a train? It's a silly way. It's a silly way to lose your life, isn't it? I don't know about the transfer you've got, but this film needs restoring. A few yeah. shots look all right. Some of the shots look really muddy and and sort of second or third generation. And it could do with a four K restoration. The negative needs are clean. I wonder. Yeah, really, really nice four K restoration or an eight K restoration. If this had been, if you had put all the Eon touches in this film, it wouldn't be remotely as disliked. Yeah. Uh, a lot, it's a, kind of off the grid, isn't it? So. A lot of the problems is, obviously, it's a remake of Thunderball, so what's the point? Partly, uh, fans are very defensive of the original series, uh, the the proper official series, of course, and this this film was a clear and present danger to that. And Kevin McClory's not popular with Bond fans, understandably. So I think I think this is always like, no, this isn't real, and it's not a real bomb. I, I don't feel as strongly about it. Yeah, it's it's not actually a real bomb film. I, I'd agree with you on that, but the but the real bomb. <laughs> no, film a little bit named definitely. But I'm sorry, the real bomb film this year was fucking shit. So so I'm much ha- <laughs> I'm way happier with this. But unfortunately, well, it's, it's all, you know, it's all a matter it, of opinion, it, isn't it? Does, it, so. it doesn't it doesn't make it good. This M is dreadful. Uh, oh, do come along. It is a little bit like that. He's really bad. Well, he looks no, younger. That's the problem. He looks younger, doesn't he? That's the thing. Is he? Oh, he's meant to be younger on this. Well, he has come in with new ideas, hasn't he? Oh, right, yeah. 
again, it's never like you know Bond out of touch it, with society. You know, it? Used to we were used to like our money penny and the office we knew and loved and the pre-title music and the gum barrel and it's not only is it not got any of that but what it reduced what it replaced it with that curtain of 007s at the start looks <laughs> bloody awful so it's not the it's like best we're only going to let you use this you've got the logo and that's it that's all you're going to do yeah and they get they just but you know I, make the best of it and it's, under- it's clear that it's a real passion project for mccrory at the time so. but i i understand why it's disliked on that basis but I am more convinced by a 50-year-old James Bond being played by Sean Connery than I was by Roger Moore trying to pretend he's still like a complete pussy. How much makeup is he wearing now? He's got quite yeah. a lot around his eyes, hasn't he? He's living that good life. My illustrious. Maybe it's supposed to. Maybe it's supposed to kind of look as if you know he's kind of he's had a good life. <laughs> Eating too much, drank too much. I like how the only thing he's willing to sort of cut out is the white bread. That's <laughs> 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 Molly Penny in the fetching blouse. I like the bow tie. Dates it terribly, though. <laughs> Right. The ruffles is a little bit like he's a, only a, just. I might be a second behind or something because he's literally only just walked in to see her. He's uh, just approaching the stop. table now. Just put his hand on the table. That's where I am. Yeah, we're a little bit ahead. <laughs> but Miles, yeah, funnily, funnily enough, Money Penny's not a big deal in the books, is she? No, no it's kind of more. Um, and you've got his other secretary, um, yeah. Lilia Ponsonby, as well. Yeah. And he did drive Bentleys in the book. Yeah, so this is really harking back to this is probably like the more faithful Fleming. Oh, there is a good, good joke shape. coming up. Then he's going to go inside and it'll be still in pretty good shape. <laughs> I think that's meant to be an echo of the same thing, but it actually plays like a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Well, the jo- if you're talking about the joke that's coming up, they've just copied it from Porridge. I was going to say. Yeah. It- <laughs> he did the same joke in Porridge. <laughs> it's just Ronnie Barker saying, what, from here? <laughs> from here? <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Part of that incoming. Didn't um, Sean Connery get, like, the same guys who uh, write some funny lines, um, same guys who wrote Porridge to write some funny lines? Yeah, it's Dick Clement and in, Ian Lefray. In, in The Rock or something, or I don't know. I, can't oh, I don't know if they worked on The Rock. It's quite possible, because they did do some films and stuff. They they said about this film that they didn't do... Everyone assumes all the funny lines is them. Well, clearly that porridge one is, because it's literally one of their lines repurposed. But some of what they did isn't what you would expect. Like that little pre-title we've just yeah. seen, and we'll call it the pre-title because that's what it is, even though it wasn't followed by a title. Yeah. Um, they, they wrote all of that, apparently. And it's like... It just went through lots... I mean, it's rumoured Coppola did a pass at the script. Francis Ford Coppola, that is, because I'm obviously I'm aware Sylvia Coppola's been a big name for the last 20 years as well. But Francis Ford Coppola took a pass at it. Uh, what was the guy who wrote on, I knew all this at the time, Lorenzo Semple Jr. is the credited writer. But it just went through loads of them. And a lot of the rewrites were beefing up this lady's role, which is why her role in it just seems a bit messy and all over the place because they were just throwing in some stuff because she didn't have a big enough role. 
Uh, which lady is that? What Fatima? Fatima, yeah. yeah. Again, she's she's another like a th- uh, good part. She is a good of a good villain in this though. It's Edward Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, some of the casting choices are quite good because he does a good. He's a competent Blofeld, and he, he seems to sort of rock the holding. There's another a woman odd... in a bow tie. There, what is it about this era? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's the era of bow ties. It's not used a lot in it, and I, I imagine they've they've taken the the because he's not because Largo was number two in mm. Thunderbolt. He's number mm. one here, and he's Supreme Commander. Whereas, or whatever they called it, mm. they'll they'll say it in a minute. But obviously the numbering, the naming convention was. Sl- there, it looks a little bit like a puppet from Joe Ninety, but not <laughs> not Joe Ninety. I think maybe Joe's dad. He, he looks like Parker or the hat. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't see that sadly. The the guy on the wall, just with him on the wall there, he looks like he's the coach of the like women's Winter Olympic team in switzerland or something doesn't he he's, oh yeah he could be he's, he's german's women women's olympic team <laughs> women's team yeah that's what that's what he looks like yeah she's great in this the her role is not as good as it should be it's messy but like if you've got a if you've got a redo Fiona Volpe, who's like one of the best characters, mm. one of the best femme fatales in the entire series, henchman if you like, she's one of the, the absolute best, and uh, she follows it quite well. What is it with this woman's hair look? Uh, look it's, the 80s. it's the eighties, yeah. It was a different time. The time that fashion forgot, yeah. yeah. Now, I've seen osteopaths and stuff like that, and we never got into this kind of exchange. No. <laughs> but did your, did but, your osteopath ever have hair like that? To be fair, I didn't finish up shagging my osteopath. So. Yeah, yeah, but were you ever like Sean Connery in a bad wig? No. Funnily <laughs> enough, funnily enough not. And they don't do it as violently as that. That's not I mean. No. Maybe if you go and see a chiropractor, perhaps, I don't know. But this makes more sense in being at the clinic than it does in Thunderball. Oh yeah, yeah. Thunderball just feels like he's he's out of a spa, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just here to have a bit of a wind out." (laughs) (laughs) It's not even referred to really why he's there. I'm I'm just here to shag the staff. (laughs) Now this guy, maybe it's because I know him as Brad in Superman Three. But I can't imagine him ever being oh, hired yeah. to do anything. Do you know what I mean? He's just got jobless waster written all yeah, over just, him. Yeah, he's just Brad and Superman. Whereas in Thunderball, the guy did look quite professional. Do you think you'd get that at the average health spa? Full collect. fucking open fire like that. God. Thought I'd surprise you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a top secret. Super weapon. I how do you how's he managed to pull just by pulling out some passe out of his luggage? <laughs> all he did, all he did, he's bond, you know. Picked up some papers, like had his back done by her, and now it's like, well, I know he is just taking a dinner. She's just a goat's cheese, lovely. Yeah. 
He's already laid that out because if if he's just put the <laughs> case down, it, it wouldn't be like that. It'd be all over the shop, wouldn't it? Yeah, because he's even got like one individual bit already laid out for it. Like, oh no, that that's not the only thing our evening's going to finish up with a mouthful of. Throw away a cigarette like that. It's just not going to make any difference. You've already stunk your room out. You said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm going to turn it down. Meanwhile. Right, Barbara Carrera is just walking over to Brad now. We've got to keep telling Becca because Becca's on the DVD, but our listeners would expect nothing less, would they? <laughs> I'm just not in a position right now, unfortunately, to invest. <laughs> to be honest, would this be top of your list to invest, considering you've got the film and don't even like it? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I am a bit of a completist, but it's never, yeah, is never, never say never again really a film you... You'd really go full Blu-ray with. I mean, if you if you've already got a DVD, it's like oh, I'll do. Mm. I got. I think somewhere I might have the Blu-ray of the original, not the original, '60s Casino Royale, and that's not even a real. It's not even a real film. It's a mess. I've I've had that in the past. It's one of those things I pick up now and again, and then sell and think, no, I need to have it because I'm a completist. And mm. then I get it, and go, this is shit, and sell it again. I've done. Might have been an anniversary edition or I something. I've sold about it. three copies of Casino Royale '67. Oh, I did. Never again. 30, 30th anniversary. I did upgrade actually. I did, I did have Never Say Never Again on DVD, and then. Never say never again. Mm. Fifteen. I was region free. Not sure about the extras though. Does it say anything? None, probably. None. Can't remember. To be honest. Oh, commentary with Evan Kushner and Stephen J. Rubin. I will have listened to that probably, but um, I, I was I was still trying a lot harder when we started this podcast. So I will have done every fucking special feature in existence by no sure. doubt. Um, I like how on the back of the DVD it says inventive, imaginative, attention-filled, fun. <laughs> That's crazy. Karachi Medical Gazette. Yeah. I know, a good uh, restaurant in Karachi. Um, oh yeah, no, it's, yeah. Um, special features, commentary of director Irvin Kushner and James Bond historian Stephen J. Rubin, the big gamble featurette. Sean, I back think they were quite open. They were quite open about what a horrible process this was making it. And I don't think he did a film again after this till, I don't know, what's the next film he did? I think it might have been Highlander. Yeah, it took depends a break, when, didn't he? Depends when in the name of the Rose was, but yeah, he had a couple of times in his career where he had a bad experience and just didn't make anything for a while. Although it doesn't show in his performance, he looks way more engaged than he did in Diamonds. <gasps> Fatima gasps. Oh, yes, definitely. Blu-ray's £15. I didn't pay that much for this it. That's probably why. <laughs> I suspect it was a limited edition might be to start with. It might have been a limited edition to begin with, i.e. a limited run. So, yeah, uh, and then they've run out and it's... Never seen, never seen, never seen, never Blu-ray. Oh, saw by Sweden. That's probably why from Sweden. I love... Uh, Okay, you can Make get the, the Swedish version. If you go down a couple of entries, you can get the Blu-ray for eight thirty-five. Yeah, I'll have a little look. Let's see. 
But that's uh, Shag Niemel's knee. That's the German version. I could buy Nikti Nirki Nikti. I don't know where that's from. I'd probably pronounce the hell out of that one. Uh, um, just at the uh, Pax Roach bit. Uh, oh yeah, there he is. He's, he's, I'm not there. Yet. He's still looking at. He's looking at a bed at the moment. He's yeah, just lifting he, a mattress. He, he's just about to like break a neck of like of someone who right. looks like he's, he's just strong. found a packet of cigarettes and yeah. a box of matches or a little book of matches. Yeah. It, it's just and about now to... the the we've gone to the weightlifting equipment. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. He, sh- he should just be about to break uh, the guy's neck who looks like he's straight from a 70s sitcom. <laughs> you won't be surprised if he actually was in a 70s sitcom. Uh, Might have been. I think he probably was, actually. Now, given the fact that I'm watching this without any sound, this is actually kind of moving kind of rather well. It is, yeah, it zips along. I think it's probably a little bit better pace. Don't get me wrong, if I had to keep one of the two films, I would keep Thunderball. There's, no, yeah. there's absolutely no doubt about that. But throwing the film away on the basis of, like, what it isn't, i.e. it's, it's neon, not a neon film and all the rest of it, does get around, does cover the fact that obscure the fact that this is one of Connery's better performances in the role I mean he doesn't look as good as he did in the 60s obviously but he's yeah. so much better than he was in his last two official entries definitely he can still and, hold his own for sure and, and it's paced better than Thunderball I wonder if this scene with Pat Roach is it meant to be a bit of a um, a Goldfinger yeah a Goldfinger sort of homage because obviously you see a scene next to you know there's some bars and you've got the scene where they face off in Fort Knox the same way, you know, lobs a, a gold bar against. No, I know what you mean. Um, I did, and I, kind of bounced off his chest. And I wonder. Mean, but I do now. I don't know because the director's Irving Kirshner, and I'm thinking, was he a Bond fan? Do you reckon he even watched any Bond films in prep? Mm-hmm. The thing Maybe? is, because it was because it was a different studio. I think they were trying to sort of make it different. Trying to get away from that, yeah. Yeah, because McClory had a stupid idea he could run a series. You mm-hmm. noticed that. Um, um, Pat Roach is actually sort of pulling the same sort of stance he did in Raiders. You know, the yes. same sort of fighting boxing. Yeah, that's true. It, it reminds me of like turn of the 18th and 19th, uh, 19th and 20th century uh, bare knuckle boxes. All right. The, the, that kind of stances. Kind of lifting the. You're, you're the expert, Dave. Kind of lifting his palms up, sort of like going, come on. <laughs> right. He's just pulled the guy out around the corner again. Let's see. Where we are. Just do that. Pat Roach doesn't belong in a Bond film. It doesn't. There's something not quite right about this. I think as he sequence is, sequence is all right. I think that he, is so if, clearly not Sean Connery. If he was done up, yeah. <laughs> like if he was like sort of done up because he's not because in in the Indiana Jones films he's he's not gone as he is. He's always like dressed up to a degree. Yeah. It's not a bad sequence. It's fine. Stunt work is. Uh, mm. That's the first time I've ever really noticed. To be fair, so. Mm. I don't like the joke it finishes on. <laughs> Surely you could have just killed him by now, Pat. You're drawing this out <laughs> a bit. I'm surprised I wasn't a quip. And I'm surprised that no one's called the police. 
Yeah. <laughs> You'd think, hold on a minute. <laughs> no one ever calls the police. Nah. That said, it is probably the middle of nowhere, so... Actually, they've actually thought this fight through. It's multiple stages in different areas. Kitchen equipment, you know, the gym area and then kitchen equipment, and then it will finish off in, like, the pharmacy or whatever it is. Talking about badly staged action, I watched First Blood earlier, which is a good film, but the, the the, the action in First Blood is nowhere near as good as I remember. Oh, was this to in line up to watch uh, Last Blood? Yeah, I'm prepping for that. I watched, I've watched the first two. I've got to watch obviously the next two because I'm reviewing that one. Um, and I just want some idea. But there's the the bit where he breaks out of the sort of police station at the start of the mm-hmm. film. The hand to hand combat is really bad. You just tell they're not real punches, and it's you know they're pulling punches, and the camera's kind of in the wrong place in several times and things like that. It's it's not that well directed a film. I still really like First Blood and recommend it to anyone. It's worth seeing. Considering Stallone was playing Rocky around that oh. time, it was probably, I think it was, a, he would have shot it just before he shot Rocky Three. Such a different performance. And it, lots of little things like the way he moves. He, oh. He's a lot, he's skittish. I mean, the man's got PTSD as we'd understand it today, and he's skittish. And his eyes are widened and little things like that that, that take a bit of thought. Yeah, so this guy dies with a face full of Bond's piss. <laughs> Takes the piss, doesn't it? Yeah. I've had to notify the local police. It's like, would that be a, a double O's biggest worry? Yeah. Hmm. Fuck, it's part of the sure, job. Like, uh, go ahead then. Cover for me is part of the fucking job. And to be fair, I was attacked, you prick. <laughs> Yeah, it's self-defense of anything. If you if you are, I don't tend to treat it as one ser- as part of the series. In that, if you said to me how many Bond films did Sean Connery did, the answer is six. If you want a one-word answer, and I don't count him as one of the M's and things like that, but if you were to count him, he's the worst M by a mile. There's a uh, Safi's dad, and he was in. Um, Oh, yes. And he was in uh, Raiders as well, I think. Yeah, not Raiders, Empire. Empire Strikes Back. He's the one that finds uh, Luke and Han when they're out in the snow and on Hoth the next morning. Actor passed away a few years ago. Yeah. At not a particularly advanced age. Have we ever seen... I always refer to him as Brad, so I clearly know him best from Superman 3. Have we ever seen him in anything else? I'm just going to look that up, you know. Yeah, quickly. We're having the same thought, were you? Yeah, yeah so... Mm. Uh, let's have a look. I know the name. The, I say almost without looking. I do have to look, but like the moment I see his name, it's familiar to me. Gavino Hurley. He's, he's definitely been in stuff. Uh, Willow. He's in Willow. Selected filmography. Yeah. I'm going to go to IMDb now because I'm on Wikipedia at the minute. He was in the, the second Descent film. Okay. Midsummer, Midsummer Murders. 
Oh, yeah. Jonathan Creek. Really? Yeah. Well, he was born in Dublin. He's he was described as Irish American. I think he's more Irish than American. He hasn't done anything since 2009, although he's filming something now. Whether that whether he's had time off or he's just done stage, I don't know. He's also in the. Third, uh, is it a holiday? I think he's he's also the background of the Deathwish film. I've never seen those. The third, the third Death Wish film, I think that's the one where you get Deanna Troy topless. <laughs> Was that Deanna Troy? I'm sure she's in She's in one of the Death Wish films. I think it's three. Uh, which, one, so, which one's Deanna Troy? Is that Dark Air? Oh, um, the actress is... Um, fucking hell, I follow her on Twitter. I've got blanked on her name. It'll come to me because I don't want to lock that. Look that up. That's pathetic. I've to look that up. It'll come to me. Death for seven. I wish I was dead. Oh, wait, wait. Marina. That's, that's my experience. Marina Certis. Marina Certis. That's who I'm. Thinking. Oh, I think we've been along here before. She's another one. She plays like no, I don't. Well, she plays an alien, but she plays like an Americanized alien, if you like. But when you actually hear her in real life, she's cockney as shit. And she actually was in the last couple of Star Wars, uh, Star Trek films she was in as well. Cause she sort of stopped being able to do her own accent. Sherlock Holmes as well. I do like I do like these elaborate sort of assassinations. Like like yeah, no no throwing a snake into a car to get exactly the exact result you wanted. Yeah. Now there's a dodgy effect. They've just dropped the missile out of the plane. It just looks of its time. Back to the Future mm-hmm. Two looked a little bit like that, and it's flying effects as well. It's it's okay for the Euro. It's not not horrific. But it does stand out, and again, like the missiles in Superman Three, looks a little bit like that. Yeah, I think it's standard at that time, isn't it? Yeah. But I have all. <laughs> she she definitely plays it more batshit than Fiona Volpe, doesn't she? Yeah, she yeah, she's more crazy. She's more OTT. Yeah, but I think that was almost covering for what wasn't in the script. You know what I mean? She was. Yeah. She's the one person who was in this who just. Says she had the time of her life. You know, you hear yeah. a lot of negatives about this film, but she adored being in this. She probably made the most of it. She's like, oh yeah, I'm working with Sean Connery I'm in a bomb film, and I'm, yeah. I'd still rather she'd been in the official series because yeah, this doesn't quite count. Mm. I'm but, not as strong. I'm not as strong on it as Becca, but like I broadly agree with her. This doesn't quite count. But whereas Becca's like, it doesn't count at all. I'm like, <laughs> it doesn't quite. It's a film with I, the character called James Bond in it, so therefore, in the greater scheme of things, along with Casino Royale nineteen sixties, it must count in the full yeah, lineup. But I in terms of like Eon Bond yeah, movies, no. Casino Royale sixty seven at all. That's different. But then we'll cover it one day because we'll run out of commentaries, and when we do, we'll do Casino Royale sixty seven. <laughs> we'll have to do that. Oh god. Um, what Thankfully, we will. Woody Allen what, is the saving grace. What I think we will do. That sounds really bad, but... (laughs) We've got The Terminator coming up next, and that's six films, so we'll do a commentary after that. It's my turn, and I know what it is. 
But after that, we got John Wick, which is only three films, so we'll probably forego it and do do another one after Fast and Furious. So there'll be like twelve films between Bond commentaries or something. Need a gap. Yeah, well, I, I, doing them three weeks apart is really silly. This is another one. The kids don't even look. That's like Superman Four. That is where he flies down like uh, the sub the the subway, the London Underground, as it was, and no one fucking looks. (laughs) I was like, oh, because the director hasn't gone. Can you just turn your head that way? The kids didn't even look. Yeah, this is this look a bit dated now, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. Like there's no like you do miss like the you know the Eon Sheen. It doesn't have that at all. But then plenty of Bond films of this era had the odd scene or odd bit that didn't look that good. But you're sustained through by the memory of the song and the look and the titles and all that sort of shit, which this doesn't have. But then I have to say, Morris Binder's work wasn't exactly tearing up fucking, you know, any trees at this stage. Go and have a look at the title sequence to Octopussy. It's fucking bollocks as everything he did in the 80s. And License to Kill was okay. Just, But I think the only reason I don't mind License to Kill is it's a slightly different colour palette. It's got a sort of peachy or redder colour, the License to Kill um, titles. With occasional like bits of green and stuff like that, whereas all of his other ones in re- around that era were like models stood against black. Oh, that looks like a model, doesn't it? That looks so small. It the, really does. The USA really Force figures just landed. That looks like it. It's about, but it doesn't look a big enough model. It looks like it's about eighteen inches. I don't know what this is. Obviously, they're going to fly right over to it, but even that, it depends whether they touch it in shot. I think that could have been forced perspective. And now that that's a that's just a section of it. Do you know what I mean? That one that landed was inches long, I'm convinced. We've got quite a long way into the... No, we haven't. It's only half hour. I was thinking we're quite a way into this film without seeing Domino yet. Yeah, but didn't, didn't um, Thunderball have that? Well, or, or, has, or, or it takes she, a while for him to go to the or, Bahamas, but I think they're in the Bahamas by now in Thunderball. Did or did she like pop up in like an earlier scene, just like you know, a brief introduction kind of thing? No, because she was a photo, wasn't she? We got all the no, it wasn't Jack Patachi in that, wasn't it? It was Francois Duval, <laughs> um, and we saw him. And when the sort of briefings were given to the agent, there was a picture of her with him in the pack. We'd never met. Look at that compared to. I mean, I know it's not. MI6, mm. but think of that big MI6 set in mm. Thunderball. There's none of the. I think the thing is, Thunderball was designed by Ken Adam, which helps. And it was the peak of the series in terms of its popularity. So there was a load of love in it. And it was also 60s made, and the 60s has a wonderful sort of almost timelessness to it. Mm. It's not timeless, it's very of its time, but it's it dates really well, whereas this hasn't. This is basically the plot now. This is just... Yeah. This is... In Thunderball, this would be signal your acceptance by ringing, you know... What was it? Seven times at 6pm. Big Ben or whatever it was. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, seven times at 6pm. 
Six times at 7pm. Which would just really confuse like, a lot of them. Let's go kind of like, what? Well, you're not really paying any attention, are you? At the end of it, you'll just go, there's something different there. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> So, oh, must have miscounted. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're not going to make anything of it, I don't think. As I say, we did... Oh, no. We started as a bomb podcast. That guy in the middle there looks like it could be an elderly Charles dance. Do you yeah. know what I mean? There's something <laughs> about him that's like... You know, that that filter. It's a nose, isn't it? It could be Charles dance. He might, have, he might be a time traveller and we don't know. Yeah, well, he's he's going to film this in fifteen years' time. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we did obviously never say never again in our original run. We did music and two commentaries, and it would have been after Octopussy, which I think was film thirteen. So it would have been fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, probably episode seventeen of the show, something like that. And um, we will have recorded it, I suspect, in January ish. 2016 that's where you find it um and that and thunderball which was our fifth episode are where we tell most of the story about the whole kevin mcclory thing and we just for anyone who's not heard it you'll notice a difference going back and listening to our fifth episode we, we were very different but it start. it was starting to sound a bit like us by then um and certainly by never say never again we're at the end of the roger moore era and that that's us there's been running jokes since and changes, little changes to the format and stuff, but it's us. Um, but if you can bear to go back and listen to the early days of us, you will get the whole story behind this. Because they had a bit of a nightmare filming this. and I, But it's three and a half years ago, so I can't, nearly four years ago, and I can't remember all of the details myself. But uh, Sean Connery reportedly had a miserable time making this. But because he was... You know, he was one of the I don't know if he is one of the producers, but he was certainly involved in the production process more than he'd ever been for Eon. So he didn't have that fuck it attitude he had on like diamonds. He he was much more. He felt responsible for making sure this was done right, which is why he seems to give a pretty good performance. And it's very different from his Eon performances. He's playing it as an older man. There's an amused calm about him, whereas the 60s version had this sort of hint of seething and violence under the surface. He's sort of had de- more verve, definitely, but yeah, this is kind of more like he's been there, done that. It's a less primal version. Still, still effective, though. He knows how to play it just oh, the way it needs to be played. It's a compliment. It's a compliment. For sure. The, the, he's thought about his portrayal and changed it over time. Yeah. Roger Moore in 1985 was still playing it like Roger Moore in like 1977. <laughs> mm. But then Roger is a legend, so... Yes, but he was miles too old. That's all I'm saying. It was just like, you can play older if you acknowledge the character's older. But if you've still got him banging every 28-year-old in the room, then you're probably saying, well, that's not really realistic, is it? As a character trait. I think we've just seen Jason Domino now. He's having a bit of a perv in the dance studio. Uh, well, I've I've got uh, Connery listening to Robert Pickup talking, Ronald Pickup, the actor. I always thought this was meant to be Tanner, but it's not. It's some nobody. I don't know what he's even doing in it. It would be a sort of ripple effect. What's the American story on how the damn things were stolen? 
<laughs> That's where I am. Edward Fox is another actor that was sort of born in late middle age, I think. He's just never really changed. I thought that watching uh, Rambo earlier, First Blood, Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy's in his early 80s now. and like, He looks the same. He just always looks the same. More or less. Oh, do come along, Bond. Do come along. <laughs> Here we go. Right. Largo has just, just sat down and he's opened out some papers. 37 minutes and 18 seconds in. I'm not on the Blu-ray. I'm on a, I'm on a rip because of where I'm sat. Right. Now the studio's opening up and he's about to have a perf, Chris. So So that's how far we are on the DVD and Blu-ray. <laughs> I, thought you were on a, I thought you were on a Blu-ray, though, because yours seems to be paying at PAL speed. You've gone further ahead. But anyway, you might want to pause for a second. Um yeah. Passenger is is um, dancing with with a not at all camper male dancer. Yeah, <laughs> who's got the um, legging? We're on, we're leg on the tears on. Yeah. He's got he's even got the leg warmers on. It was the eighties, you know. Well, they they were very popularised by things like fame, I think. Mm. Yeah, and then we had the kind of the um, oh what was it? Oh, was it not Green Goddess? What was the name? The um, fitness instructor lady. I can't remember yeah, what she's called. Lizzie. Yeah, I was going to say one. you always had the, the aerobics thing in the in the, in the morning uh, CV, didn't you? Which is just bizarre. I, I find that really odd as a as a as a section. It's like people that sort of do it just before they go to work. <laughs> yeah, but it's only like well, I would imagine most of the audience for that are not those that work. To be honest, certainly not full time. <laughs> and then then you had Mister Motivator. <laughs> Yeah. I've got Mr. Motivator on my hey, list. Hey, Is mm. is like her own bumbug. Yeah. He was dating Tessa Sanderson at the time. It was really oh, like really? incongruous. Yeah, really like. Oh. Yeah, fair enough. Tessa Sanderson, for anyone listening in a different country, was a was a 1984 uh, women's Olympic javelin champion. But she wasn't for most of her career. She wasn't the best javelin thrower in this country. Fatima Whitbread was, but she did win it in '84. I'm paused the bit where where he's like giving her the, like the stone necklace thing. Arabic, the tears of Allah. The story is that the prophet wept for the barrenness of the desert. He's sort of like nuzzling her ear and telling mm. her this. Yeah. So you're in the right place now. Okay, I'm fast by. Proper slime ball. Yeah, I think that's quite a cheap looking accoutrement as well. I've never known what to make, just from a purely sort mm. of um, shallow and base level. I've never known what to make of Kim Bassinger. I've never found her that stunningly beautiful, but she's clearly striking. She's clearly like, mm. you can tell she was like, you know, she could have been a model and things like that. It's not, she's see, far from unattractive, but I've always found her a little bit bland. See, I've, I've always like had this almost like bias. Like I was a little bit kind of um, a slight dismissiveness of her because I always think, oh, she's a model who acted, but. Really, she's she is an actress. Yeah, very and, confidential. Yeah. And and you know, I, I was trying to think. She's probably. I always had this thing. Well, she you know she's one of the better ones. She actually like proves herself to be better than that. But then, yeah. then I've always had that kind of bias of assuming that she's a model first. <laughs> so, but yeah, she's she's. No, it stuff. was just that in the eighties, she was yeah. like 
I can't think who this person would be now in modern society. But if you had to name a fit actress, Kim Bassinger was who got well, named. Do you well, know what I mean? She had the right name like, as well. It was like, you know, well, you know, I don't know. Oh, yeah, I saw you cop off with someone last night. She was no Kim Bassinger, was she? It was like that name you referenced. Yeah. I you look at her and go, I don't get it. But you know what else I think it is? It's also the name. She had a good name of like, she had the name of a hot model slash actress. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't think it's I like think Cindy Crawford sounds like that's yeah. that's a evangelist that they all had great names that generation Christy Turlington and stuff yeah in the meantime I quite like the Q scene I quite like this <laughs> well not keep <cute>, algae <laughs> well I guess at this point Desmond was a bit of a le- legend wasn't he so they, this they wouldn't have responded well to this guy but I quite like him and of course we're yeah, now we're now used to having seen different cues, so it didn't matter. It doesn't matter to me now. So. No, we've got a different cue entirely. Well, we've had two, one that's younger than Bond. We've had two cues in the official series since this, since um, Dares. Oh, but it, now the dynamic has changed. Yeah, it's it's not as like uh, combative, is it? It's it's a lot more like uh, pals. These two are, yeah, I'd say so. Like, oh, thank God you're back. We've been at this a few years. It's playing on them both as veterans. Oh, here we go. Nigel. Has Nigel appeared for you yet, Dave? What, Q? Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're running ahead again. He's still talking oh, to Q. Mr Bean. Uh, he's, he's You'll be there in a minute, don't worry. He's just handed his watch. He's oh, yeah, his watch. I'm there. So pause it for a second. Okay. Again. <laughs> Excuse me, tippy tapping. It's um, <laughs> it's not things sort of like sort of having introduced to someone who's got cold as well. It is a strange one, yeah. It's a bit odd, isn't it? And he did the usual. No, not that. That's my that, lunch. Don't that. that. I was that's just about lunch. to say that's this same joke, really, yeah. isn't it? What's yeah, this gadget? Yeah. It's exactly what it that. looks it's like, actually. Yeah. yeah. This is a cloud base, not a test facility. I don't know. That's an entirely right. different franchise altogether. We've now just cut to an establishing shot of the Bahamas. Nigel, Nigel. Well, we haven't got to that yet because it's still an establishing shot. We're now <laughs> street level with Sean. And obviously, as soon as I see Nigel, I'll tell you. They've even shot there on quite an overcast day. Mm. So it looks good there. You're not going to make that place look terrible, are you? But there you go. This is a handy encounter. Oh, he's just good. meeting. The, he's just meeting the the tallish, fit woman who wants something about six foot two, hundred ninety pounds, with brown eyes, which is kind of forward, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> the sexy story. I have I have no problem with empowered women saying what they want, but like, fuck me, was that forward? <laughs> and uh, I'm at a bit with Johnny Englishes now. It's, it's basically is Johnny English, isn't it? Pretty there he is. There he is. I. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond. Oh, no, Joe. Damn. It's Damn. awful. Imagine if it's he pl- pretty, it is pretty much. Imagine if he played it like Blackadder, just someone who's just really cynical about everything. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, you're not going to fuck everything in the movies, are you? The like, thing is, whenever I see. Whenever I see Rowan Atkinson playing anything other than like his signature characters, I find him very distracting. It is like, if you think of The Lion King, 
he played that toucan in it, didn't he? I can't remember what the character's name was. Zazu. Right, Zazu, that's it. Well, in the remake, that's voiced by John Oliver. <laughs> and actually, I preferred the remake voice just because it's not as distracting. It it was just, it kept taking me out in the original one because Rowan Atkinson has one of the distinctive voices. Yeah, it's quite distinct. I wonder if because is John Oliver perhaps, a, I mean, obviously, you know, he's probably better known. He's more of a celebrity he's a in America show. than he is over here. Yeah. I wonder. He's not. He's, he's still, you know, quite relatively well known over here, but, but he's perhaps more a, of a celebrity. It's a similar social class. It's a similar quality of voice. It's just not quite. It didn't stand out quite. Plus, out. like with Rowan Atkinson as well, he's got that pedigree, the mm. comedy that we associate him with. There's not so much. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about him to be honest. Um, right. John Oliver, sadly. No, I've seen lots of it. I watch a lot of these late night clips. I don't watch episodes, but I. It's like most days I'll watch like. A closer look with Seth Myers and things like that. If there's been one, has Seth oh, Myers yeah, no, yeah, ever been funny though? I find Seth Myers brilliant. I think he's superb. No, no, he's really, really oh, I, I've, 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 I've seen clips. I think I, I don't see any fucking humour in that at all. No, I, I think he's superb. Obviously, some of it might depend what your base politics are, but I think it's absolutely superb. A closer look, but anyway, um, I, he's the only one I watch regularly. In that, like, occasionally I'll see like a. A sketch from one of the other ones, you know, like mm. a bit or something, and I will watch it. Um, but he's the only one I—he's the only one that, like, when it pops up, I watch it. But I only watch a closer look. I'm not interested in him interviewing anyone. I'm not interested in jokes. I'm not interested in features. None of that stuff works for me. But his these little eight to ten minute closer look segments are really, really good. She's showing off here, isn't she? Mm. <laughs> Well, if you could do that, wouldn't you do that too? I, she, what, put, put on a bathing gown, a bathing dress or whatever. Um, but in a very seductive, sexy way. Carrera. Barbara Carrera, let's look up. She's 73 now, which makes sense because this is... Still looks fabulous. Uh, I don't even know if she still works. Well, she does look like an older lady now, but you can tell she's got like model features. She's aged well. She hasn't done any on-screen acting since 2004. So what's that? 15 years ago. So she quit in her late 50s, basically. 73 minus 36. So she was 37 when she made this. Cool. I'm all yours. Yeah, we also get the good line of... Uh, hey, are we about to get to the really funny sex scene? Oh, no, we're not there yet. Sorry, go on. Sorry, what? <laughs> you get that sort of good line about, like, no, um, no, but my martini's, my, my martini's still dry. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've just had that line. She's skated into him. They're now... Um, they're now... She's just thrown, like, his kit at him. They're about to have sex. This is where the funny sex yeah. scene is. And during review, you couldn't remember it. So... You're about to no, go. I remember. Yeah, I remember now. Obviously, many it years wasn't on. You that couldn't remember it, Chris couldn't remember it. It's just the way it's shot. You don't see anything. It's a fucking PG film, but it's just the way it's shot. By the way, I think the guy who who uh, looked a bit like Charles Dance is um, he's been in a few um, Stanley Kubrick films like uh, Clockwork, Clockwork Orange and Fire London. I need to say, I've, I want to watch it. We'll do a Kubrick series one day. We'll definitely do a Kubrick series and do do a Clockwork Orange. The only thing when you do like Kubrick, <laughs> I see what you mean with the head just bop out the front. 
I've not got again. You've you've started skipping ahead again. Yeah, they've just fallen down to the floor, and we've cut outside to have a look at waves because you need to look at that sort of stuff during sex scenes. <laughs> there we go. Look at this. <laughs> it's the way it keeps cutting away. It's just like oh, it's so funny. It's like it's like, if... oh, her leaning back there. It's like oh yes. <laughs> it's like fifteen minutes later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it should cut to the ocean and the the fish putting on like a nightcap, yeah, and switching off the lights, going to bed. And now they're now they're diving, but I don't mean in a sex way. I mean they're now underwater. Yeah, it's like it's sort of like making joke about the the, uh, the boat rocking as well. Yeah. That's a bit naff. Anyway. At least they de-emphasised the diving a little bit in this film because it, it was too much in Thunderball. Or, or rather, it's too much now in Thunderball. It wouldn't have been in the mid-60s because it would have had a wow factor, the under, underwater <laughs> photography. But like now, when underwater photography is not difficult at all, and you watch Thunderball, it's it's 25% underwater, that film. And that's what makes it so slow. Yeah. Yeah, you need to kind of like cut around it, don't you? Yeah, but it was made for a 1965 mm. audience. It would have worked then. It's only in context mm. of now. We're not going to go, wow, look at them yeah. underwater. Isn't that amazing? So without that wow factor, it's 25% people swimming around very slowly. Everything's slow. Act. I mean, I mean, they struggle in the film. I mean, one, one of the weak points of this film is the fact that its climax actually ends upon those bits. And you see a fight with the main villain. Yeah. Like, with that, so you don't really comprehend what's going on. Yeah. Oh, there's you, because a bon voyage to Bond. Is this like, this meant to be like a shark signal? <laughs> yeah, this is. Basically, been... that's what she's done, yeah. It's, it's, it must be frequency. Must be like a type of sonar or something. I mean, yeah, but would it be easy just to attach like a bomb device or something? <laughs> uh, are, are you new to Bond films, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is it just occurred to you now? Why don't they just fucking shoot him? <laughs> Chris, you just don't get it, do you? Like, <laughs> just don't get it. Uh. That's not an efficient use of resources. <laughs> I'm going, to, I'm going to leave him in a, in a highly escapable situation and then assume everything went to plan. What? They want it to look like an accident. They don't want to look it. Yeah, Overly elaborate, case. easily escapable, exotic death. Oh, no. Yeah, but again, I, I like that. I want to make it look like an accident. What, like a, a British secret agent sort of getting gets murdered on foreign soil? Hmm, I wonder... <laughs> As opposed to what? Make <laughs> you know, oh he, he he fell down the stairs and broke his yeah. neck. <laughs> yeah. Our oh, major, he fell over. Our major Moscow contact has pulled away pull uh, passed away, but don't worry, it was a freak yachting accident. <laughs> a freak yachting accident, yes. <laughs> I mean I mean it'll be more suspicious if it did look like an accident, wouldn't it? I mean <laughs> It's like Blackadder. He, he's accidentally brutally cut his head off whilst combing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> But 
but it's like, yeah, it's like if you're like uh, an international spy like James Bond, you think we could, you could literally like get killed at any any moment by anyone. Like, it could be anything. You just like you just kill him and then like just like all right, just leave no trace, and people assume I oh, know some random I, assassin. I, I I disagree. I think you're safe because you're James Bond. You'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the way it looks like he's forgotten about the shot. He's doing something, <laughs> and the shot gives him a nudge. Depth charge. <laughs> oh, blooming hell! Drop the thing. Take some air, and he's about to swim off and have some more sex. On the plus side, <laughs> he's, he's been underwater all the time since he last had sex, so at least he's not going to smell of sex. Oh, she's caught some in. Six foot two, 190 pounds. Can <laughs> you catch you later? Yeah. What a catch. You're not going to be able to do anything, though, because your hook went right through my knob. <laughs> <laughs> So fingering only, I'm afraid. <laughs> this is all right so far. This film hasn't done anything terrible. The M's bad. The Nigel Small Fawcett characters, mm. not great. But we got a decent Largo. We've got a decent Femme Fatale. We've got double denim. Oh, <laughs> God. Cringe. Oh, is it really double denim? It's just dungarees. It's not. Well, no, it isn't. It's awful is it? dungarees. It's just dungarees. To be fair, well, though, they're quite it's... trendy at the moment. Not amongst fifty-something white men. No, we're not, they're not amongst Sean Connery in the eighties, but I'd say I dare say it'd look good Ooh. on anyone, really. Yeah, she even looks batshit going up the stairs, doesn't yeah. she? I mean, I mean, she's literally just like I. I reckon those like oh, that's are amazing. I reckon there was no character written for her, so she's like, oh, fine, I'll just make one. I think I think that it's exactly that, Chris. I think she's trying to fill the gaps. And actually, some of the gaps have been filled retrospectively. Well, during all of this, there were rewrites going on and all that sort of shit as well. So we, she's reacting to less of a role than we're actually seeing, if you know yeah. what I mean. That shot of her there, her dress like that was in a lot of the promotional mm. materials. She sort of stood looking pretty much at the camera there, and they've just got into the elevator. I, I wonder how much influence she had on, on the costume, though. Because, like, you know, because it's a big part of the character, so she's very yeah. sort of, like... Well, I don't know about later when she's dressed as, like, yeah. a mixture of Kryptonian villain and Liberace, but... <laughs> <laughs> Certainly the Liberace aspect. See, this, this kind of stuff reminds me of like, something like Shot in the Dark. Small forces here. Which basically is a small penis joke. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he indulging this conversation? This guy's nothing to him. He's just bugger off and being blown. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I'm well, I'm not. I'm not being blown yet, but I've, I've got high hopes. It's I'm going not. in that direction. I, I'm sorry. Somebody's just come up. Aye, he needs his car. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact no one panics or runs and they just carry on shagging. Yeah. It's like, you think the place might be evacuated. Not just continue with the vinegar strokes and we'll see you in a while. Yeah, it does remind me a little bit of Shot in the Dark. The whole, like, sort of trying to assassinate him and just sort of escaping accidentally. 
Sounds obvious because I think anyone listening will have heard of the Pink Panther films. We've got a few younger listeners. If you want to go and watch the Peter Sellers um, films, you, there's really only about three of them that are worth. Well, maybe four of them are worth it because uh, the last couple he wasn't well, and the very last one there was he's a lot in. of. He's not really in. It's all clips. Um, but the first Pink Panther film, he's like a supporting character in. That's just called the Pink Panther. Uh, but the sequel that they made with him was called A Shot in the Dark, 1964 film, and it's absolutely magnificent. If you like that, then by all means, go for Return of the Pink Panther. And then Pink Panther Strikes Again has a brilliant first 10 minutes, and after that, it's not so good. But there's 10 minutes where he goes to pick up Dreyfus, visit Dreyfus at the like lunatic asylum. And uh, it, it basically, Dreyfus has gone mad because of Cluzo. But he's recovered and he's well. And basically five minutes with Cluzo on the site and he goes batshit again. It's really funny. So here's Disposable uh, Lady A. Yeah, Disposable Lady A. This is Paul, this is Paul <clears throat> Murray in Thunderbolt, but mm. she's a little bit more defined in that one. Just a bit. This is like uh, who will be killed off later on. Yes, basically. You think if like with an older Bond, they might have like an older Phoenix Lighter? Uh, well, I don't know how old Bernie Casey is here. He's younger than Sean Connery, though. Bernie Casey's dead now, I think. Let me look. Bernie Casey died about two years ago. About two yeah, years ago. Recently, it, wasn't it? It'll be two years ago next week, actually, because we're recording. Oh. Uh, we're recording this on the fifteenth. It'll come out on the twenty-second, and basically, so three days ago, from the perspective oh. of listeners, it will be two years. He was 78, which means he was in his mid 40s here. He was a, he was a, he, he played, he, he played football. I didn't really know that. Didn't know much about him because obviously that sport's not big in this country. And it, it's kind of doesn't sound right in our mouths calling it football, but it is, it is for you guys, I know. Uh, let me just look. He was born in 1939, so he's actually only nine years younger than Connery. Yeah, he just like he just looks he just looks younger. Like, yeah, yeah. He's he's just about the same generation. It's just it's a slightly wider age gap than say Roger and Patrick McNee. They're stood by the uh, uh, telescope now, looking out into the bay at mm. Domino, and suddenly it's gone soft focus. It looks like the fucking Red Shoe Diaries now, all of a sudden, or a Rene and Renata video. <laughs> save all love, my darling, save all love. <laughs> Voice of an angel. The woman in that video is not the woman singing the song. They got a modelling to do it or something. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't get Renee. <laughs> the no, they, Renee. No, they, they left him in because he was such a hunk. Yeah. Italian born, but from the Midlands. And it was just some nightclub compare put them together. Strangely enough, they didn't have a wildly successful career after that song. It's it's just an odd odd thing to happen, isn't it? It's just like how? Yeah, he like lived in the Midlands. He was like Warsaw or something. Do you know what I mean? It's, they weren't actually a particularly grand, glamorous pair. Talking of a glamorous pair, uh, <laughs> this is where she uh, 
thoroughly enjoys being sexually assaulted, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, by random strangers, yeah. The whole tone of this is wrong. It's actually played really light, so I wouldn't get too hung up on it. But, do you but see it? Yeah, it's a bit dodgy. It's just the fact he goes real Richard Richard when he's looking at her. He's like, you know, <laughs> lifting the towel up, and he's like, cool. Blimey. He just looks so out of place, though, in like a grey polo neck. Yeah. It's almost like if you had a private cl- club and spa and stuff, it's like what you would dress the porters in or something. Yeah. See, I'm always, I, I'm watching this in, you know, muted. I'm kind of expecting he's kind of pulling off like a really, like, really odd French accent, French European accent. Mm. Uh, Madame, <laughs> uh, I am here to uh, give you a, your massage. Uh, your, your back rub. <laughs> No, hard or soft massage. She wants it hard. I love that he lifts the towel here. It's like, come on, blimey, look at that. So I, I, I'm just thinking of like Austin Powers where he just goes like, a sensual massage. <laughs> Lower. How is that for you? Lower. How is that for you? <laughs> <laughs> Lower, baby. There was no oil in that. I don't know what you got out of there. That wasn't oh. That's this production. They were like, oh, don't worry, no one will notice. Now, I would think you'd know within, you can see his tattoo there. Um, you would think you'd know within seconds this is not a professional masseur. <laughs> it's just vaguely rubbing my back. Now his, his knob <laughs> is getting very close to her hand, isn't it? See, I've just, I just watched a bit where he's... I just... know he's walking up and down her bit back with his fingers. That's not a bit I've just laughed. I laughed the bit where he just grabbed her arms and just shook him. Yeah, he's just done that now. <laughs> he's doing that now. I was actually laughing at how close his hands were. Again, you, you're watching a power yeah. version for this because it keeps speeding on. He's looking her right in the face now. He's just put her head down. That's where we are. Yeah, he just walked up her back, but his knob keeps like heading in towards where her hand is as well. <laughs> this is just all kinds of wrong. All kinds of dodginess. You have slight visions in the he's just copy copying the language that was used to him when he was at Shrublands. I don't know if it's called Shrublands in this, but I think it probably was Shrublands, wasn't it? I don't know if they referred to it by name. It is that in... Uh, mm. the... Yeah, I think you did call it Shrublands in this. Okay. There was a slightly different building, wasn't it? It wasn't um, Citrix's house. <laughs> it was in Thunderbolt. Uh, I don't know. Um, let's have a look. I know we tried to go there on a JBR trip, but... Well, so you can all stand there bitching and going, it's not even a real It's not even real. But no, I think we tried to kind of add it on onto one of our trips. Um, but no, we're quite an inclusive bunch. Um, but yeah, there was there was something on we couldn't go. I think oh, a no, wedding, no. perhaps. She's just found out she's been sexually assaulted and she's shocked. <laughs> and now she's remembering the, his touch and she's smiling. <laughs> she's like, cheeky devil. 
<laughs> Why, that guy's got a nerve. You'll see her at the casino in a bit anyway. Just before his game of domination. <laughs> what's she, what's she wearing now? I don't know, but it's funky. Oh, he's, he seems to be a little bit mean to this guy. Yeah, he is. It did say Casino Royale on that. It said Casino Royale Monte Carlo on that sign, by the way. But, um, yeah, this is probably, because I didn't know the difference between official and non-official at the time, and I remember there being more hype around this film on the sort of things I would have watched, so, I don't know, kids' TV and all that. There was mm-hmm. reference to when this... I remember when this film came out. Bongo and all I could remember was this, where he put that thing in his hand and just said, and, and when he came back in and just took it off him at the end, that was like a really funny joke. I mean, the thing is, though, like, you don't really, you're not quite sold on the fact that he is, like, respected or someone. If he was respected, you'd be like, oh, yeah, fine. But you just, you think... He's security there. Isn't, isn't, he, isn't he just like a... He, he's just like, I don't know, concierge, maitre d', whatever the term would be in a casino. He's just there to meet, greet, and all the rest of it. And, of course, he's gone barging in without uh, <laughs> an invitation. An invitation, that's all. No, you can always you can kind of just, like, envision, like, the, the scene coming up with all the arcades and things like that. Mm. Um, that, was, that was kind of, like, meant to be, like... Uh, Reflect, reflection on like, well, this is the new game thing now. You know, this mm. is like, this is this is how, this is how it used to be done. Now, yeah, we're in new this age. This is our hip, funky replacement Bond series, which is why we've cast this young Turk. <laughs> well, it's you know, it's Bond find, finding his uh, place in the world. That's what Macquarie <laughs> wanted his own Bond series, so he he starts it off with a fifty-three-year-old band. It's like, okay, thought this through, have you? I always think of um, Countess Lisa when I see her here. She looks like Cassandra Harris. Mm. What do you think, Becca? Um, yeah, a little bit, I think. I was trying to think who, who did she remind me of. I can see a lot of Cassandra Harris in her. There. Yeah, definitely. She doesn't look like her generally in life. It's just the way she's done up here. Yeah, she does resemble. The hair and all that. We noticed the thing. There's your accent, Countess. Um, so are your knickers. <laughs> Sorry, Nicholas. <laughs> That's what Roger's thinking. Oh, Here we go. Yeah, but no, she's very beautiful. Definitely, yeah, she's just walked into the room and they're now going through arcades and that that looks like oh. Timothy Dalton behind her. It could be. We want Bond. Yeah. Right. He's just. Oh, no. This he's is just, like the most cringiest. Right, my scene. name is Bond, James Bond. He's just encountered her and introduced himself. That's where we are. If anyone's racing ahead. What's going to follow is like the most eighties game of battleships ever. So I, I remember like seeing seeing this room as a kid, thinking that's like coolest rooms ever. Yeah, because <laughs> it's just full of arcades. Like still now, pretty you know pretty cool. 
Yeah, but it would it would be naff. I mean, if they were still doing that in Goldeneye, <laughs> you know, like Brosnan playing Rebel Assault Two on fucking somehow, <laughs> you know, it just wouldn't work. It's not dated it well. Although the vaguely three D effects from the sort of um, the game of itself look okay, domination, it's all right. I always have to work not to call it Stratagema because I get confused with a similar plot in Star Trek The Next Generation. Is it quite similar, though? Yeah, though that was a weird game. You had all these sort of things on the end of your fingertips. So it just seemed to be waggling your fingers. They don't really... This is the first time we've really seen any great link between the two of them, Fatima and Mark. Particularly as they've known since he was at the clinic that that was James Bond. Wasn't quite sure how, because we didn't see any recognition software. He must be... He's later in his career here, he's just vaguely well-known to underworld figures, I suppose. Well, yeah, he will be. I mean, he goes around sort of saying his name at every place. So. Yeah, but I'm trying to give it that pass. Yeah. That, like, still a fairly secret agent, and he, you know, he becomes known on, on a mission and all the rest of it. That's different. But, but here we go. Domination. I designed it myself. <laughs> Basically looks like an early Dyson fan. <laughs> Just a big open frame. So the idea is to kind of like shoot each country, shoot as many countries as you. I well, I don't know, right? It's just opening up now. As I say, we keep losing time with each other, but they've just literally started starting the game now. The board in front of Connery's just opened yeah. up, so I'm just about to see what it is they do, and I don't think I've ever been that sure. This thing vaguely moves around and then screens highlight, and I don't know if they're shooting those blocks and they're racing to shoot each other or what i'm not quite sure how this is actually working mm. i think i think it's the first person to get all but you but you can take out the person oh you can block so it's it is a little bit like battleships in that you aim somewhere and they've you've almost got to in, inter, so, yeah in, interject on where he's aiming and block and but, stuff like that. but you gotta pay attention to some, some degree in case i like send you a missile and you gotta block it yeah So they pick a part of the world. Spain. <laughs> there we go. Of all places. Is, it, is the other one like China or somewhere? Or? Well, we're about to find out. I can't remember now. I've seen this for a while. I won't have seen this since we were It's not one that I watch on a regular basis, I must admit. I don't know. The thing is, I'll probably watch the same half a dozen regularly. But... Um, I mean, I'm fond of a lot of the series, but it's amazing how often, like, Majesty's License to Kill go on. You know, Japan, there you are. I think if you take the last five years and say which one have you watched most, I reckon I've seen License to Kill more than any other Bond film. You know, I think I think that's right for me as well, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, I watch Majesties a couple times a year, and it, it yeah, I think Majesties is probably for me. I think but but if you if you go, which one have you slung in most often? I, I would I would say it is probably License to Kill. I think Pokes has been on TV quite a lot as well. Well, when I start to watch, you know, during like sort of the nineties. It's just the most watchable. I'd watch it more often with Casino Royale. It's it's just a bit zippier somehow. Casino Royale is objectively a better film, and I love it. But Casino Royale, uh, License to Kill is just one I can always watch. Could always watch it. What's he playing for now? Sorry. What's he playing for now? I don't know. We're about to find out. I'll tell you where I am in a minute because we've just we're about to see the the globe is spinning again, and they are now playing. Oh, it doesn't say, or it didn't say, or I didn't pick it up. Yeah. Forty-two thousand, whatever it is. Probably, probably for the rest of the world now. Could be rest of the world. Yeah. Let's imagine it like Street Fighter style. Boom! Boom! <laughs> India. Things like that. <laughs> this is only a year or so after um, the Wrath of Khan, though, where you had that Genesis Planet effect, and that was like absolutely groundbreaking work from uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Um, we're only five or six years on from Star Wars, where like showing that um, trench run in a sort of computer format was like incredibly groundbreaking. So technology wasn't that advanced at this point. Pain level eighty <laughs> percent. Con- Connery's just fallen to the floor. Yeah, yeah, I've just seen that now. And dominant, we've just seen uh, Barbara in shot because basically Crammer in because we don't got much for her to do. Yeah, she's kind of enjoying herself watching. What's she called in this? Remind me. Fatima. Fatima blush. blush isn't it? Fatima blush. blush. Yeah. Mm. He's great as a villain. I think so. He's so yeah. slick. He's very slick. He's very slimy. You just think, Ooh. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, again, I'm not. I'm not ridiculing anyone's opinion. It's it's completely valid to feel the other way. But I look at it and go, I'm oh, sorry, the original Darko doesn't match up to this. He's an eye patch. That's it. I quite like the ballroom dancing scene. Oh, what that's coming up in a bit. Yeah, Connery properly learned to dance for that because he's not a natural dancer by any means. No, fun fact. He worked really hard for that, apparently. It's not a very long sequence, but he worked very, very hard for it because he said he's not a natural dancer. For all this, Connery moves like a panther in that. He's not a very natural mover at all, by all accounts. He has. Well, to, wouldn't know it. He, he has to work at it, whatever he does. And it's, no, like, it's one of those rare things where... Bond is kind of shit at first at a game, but then kind of like you see him kind of pick it up. Yeah, usually he's excellent at everything. Yeah, straight the bat. Not this time. I too. You never get. You never get. Bond completely misunderstands the rules either, do you? Yeah. Like he goes, yeah, seventeen. Like, <laughs> we're playing with twenty-one. I too. That's bollocks because I played a game. Oh no, I got mixed up. Something else. Twist. 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 <laughs> Twist and twist. <laughs> Balls. Twist. <laughs> Everything 69. My favourite number. Yeah. 
didn't hate him, but Christmas Eve. He he does give it to charity, doesn't he? Yeah, Lady Mode wrestlers indeed. <laughs> Imagine if that was a real charity. Mm. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We're really struggling to make our dream come true. Yeah. 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 It'd be like if there really was blind dogs for the guides. <laughs> if you're a girl guide, we can give you a blind station. <laughs> or a Labrador or whatever. A tango, yes. I, 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 can, I can just see like sort of like the folks that are strictly like Bruno and, and Len just there going, Sabun! <laughs> <laughs> Strictly Bond. Maybe for the twentieth anniversary, uh, they'll get Connery back on. Too. <laughs> Connery yeah. won't cross the road to do anything now, and he's quite no. old and infirm. Craig, we're all going like Bond. Lucky. You're just a bit too stiff, darling, for me. Survived the typhoon f- as well. The funny thing is, well, funny's not the right word because it's rather sad. But when 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 a statement came out from him we were lucky to five and all the rest of it i thought not a way not a chance in hell did he write that the reason is i saw photos of him on his 89th there was a photo released and i thought that's just got dementia written all over it that picture so he doesn't look like he's quite with us anymore no i mean there's not much, i've not seen many pictures of him now but and to be fair there's no reason we should know Mm. He's a private citizen. It's his health is not our business. But obviously, when folks he's retired are, as well. And... Yeah, it's not our business. I'm really not <laughs> looking for like to prove he's got dementia or something. I'm really not. But I see photos and, and shots of him now and again, and I'm thinking, I'm not convinced you're you're quite with us anymore. But again, not our business. And hopefully, I'm mistaken. Hopefully, it's just the way the photos come out or something. I wouldn't wish him any mm. any harm at all. But even like not moving when the, the 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 weather hit the Bahamas, you're thinking this is an elderly infirm man, and I bet that enc- that encouraged that thinking. It was like well, we're not really well enough to be moving around. Yeah. Plus, also you kind of start. I think once you retire, you kind of start like. What will be will be. Yeah, you start. You, you know, you, it's time to be. You, you know, you, you basically sort of like die shortly after you retire because you, your body just sort of like goes, oh, I've got no reason to do yeah. anything. There is some truth to that. Although pe- some people retire and they're retired for 35 years, don't get me wrong, yeah. but uh, your chances of, of something going wrong go up a bit. Depends what your job is. I know people who've retired and they fucking needed to because their job was so stressful. Yeah, so what, watching this without the sound, you kind of like, you kind of sort of read like sort of um, the performance, like the body performance. And um, I don't know, I can't pronounce his name, but Klaus Bauer, you know, the. Landauer. Like, yeah, like the. Landauer. He, he's just so, he's just really, really great at being subtle about it. Like he's not overstating anything, but you can just sort of you can pick up on his character just from his, the way he moves. Just had a friend message me. Nothing to do with this film, but they're in London, 
and they've just had a 50 milliliter G&T. £12.60. Bloody hell. Fucking hell. Must be the best tasting G&T ever. That is London's. It's Hyde Park. They're at some event. I was going to say, where are they? Hyde Park. Hyde Park. That's probably why. Some event there, she did say earlier. No, proms was last night, wasn't it? So. I don't know what it was. She said earlier. She just said, I'm on my way to wherever it was. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Let's have a look. Mm. Radio 2, live in Hyde Park. Probably that, I don't know. Pitch Up Boys. Yeah, I think it's sad to say, but I think I'm like done with festivals now. Too old. There is a bit of that. I, I want the only one I ever wanted to go to was Glastonbury. It's the only one I ever wanted to go to because it's got the name and it's kind of timeless. Um, I didn't want to go to some festival that you know got fucking bought out and rebranded two years later. Glastonbury was the only one I wanted to do, and I didn't go until I was about twenty six, and I went two years in a row. And the first year, apart from a bit of rain on the first day, was then suddenly like a heat wave. The gr- ground got really hard it was a right heat wave second year was a bit of a washout not one of the biblical washouts mm. but pretty bad and the second year, i thought i'm not cut out for this because even the second even that second year i was getting really sick of it mm. the lineup wasn't as good the weather was getting on my tits um and i'm not built to like not shower like that and stuff like that there are showers there but you got to like queue for them and it's a bit of a nightmare and by the last day, when you're going to use a portaloo that hasn't that doesn't have any flushing facilities, mm. you know, it's it's pretty fucking rank. Plus, it's getting out there as well. Yeah, it's just oh, I've had enough of it now. Tense, I can't be doing with it. But I, I'd I'd have to do something a little bit more glamping. I think if I ever went to one now, it is a bit of that. Yeah, I'm too old. Uh, well, I'm not too old in that yeah. there were loads of people there who were way older than me, but they were probably more sort of outdoory types than me to start with. I'm, I mean, um, I might go. I, I might. I've been there. I've been there in extremes of weather, yeah. and the extremes are not good. Like, I might go, like, you know, as a family kind of thing, and that kind of like, you know, year, like years down the line. Like, I might like take my kids to go if if I'm fucking loaded enough. <laughs> But um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've, I've yeah. Been, the family fields are like you. You if you go in the family field, you're right near the flushable toilets mm. that have like proper hand washing facilities and stuff like that. We're not talking about like we're not going to go unless we've got like power showers. I don't mean that, but at least you can like improvise mm. a few things to keep yourself a bit cleaner and all the rest of it. And you're not you might not be in a tent. You might be in like a little like caravan type thing. Yeah. That that's better as well because the other thing in the summer is what you don't realise is how fucking hot tents get. Yeah, that's that's just it. Um, um, and it's just yeah, it just yeah. Everything everything just comes a mission really, doesn't it? It's just I'm not, that's all. I can't be bothered with like the mm. the um the bits that are a bit of a pain in the ass. I don't think I can be bothered with, but I'm really really glad I went. And like I wouldn't ever rule it out again. But if I went, I can't go in the same way I went when I was in my mid twenties. I'd no, have no. to like figure out a slightly different way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, um, and part of that is actually sort of like the bands. Like obviously, cause as you get older, like you, you get the, out of the, touch. The bands just lose less appeal to you. Yeah, yeah, um, you get out of touch. I mean, th- that even happened. I mean, when I went, there was still plenty of stuff. Just, yeah. 
The second year I went, the lineup was bollocks, with a few exceptions. Which one was that? Which year did I go? I went 2003 and 2004, if you look it up. Okay. Oh. So the first year headliners were R.E.M., Radiohead, Moby. Second year headliners were Oasis, Paul McCartney. Might have been Basement Jacks, actually. I think it was Muse, I think. No, I think it was Basement Jacks. Oh, no, okay, maybe. Because it was not going to be Kylie, and it got changed to... No, that that was the following year. Yeah, because then she got she the got diagnosis, cancer. didn't she? And then had to cancel for 15 yeah, that years. Was 05, I think, yeah. Um, I remember doing I mean, the headline in like 09 and 10. That was pretty cool. Debt, strength of debt wasn't as good. Mind you, 2004 was the year I saw James Brown. Mm. I'm really glad I went, but like I'm wildly fucking out of touch now anyway with music. And I think that can well, happen as you get older. It taste, though, doesn't it? I think. Yeah, I think part of it is I, I do I do have this theory that we've all got a dominant art form. We've all got a dominant art form. And what I mean by that is you can like books, you can like music, you can like film, you can like theatre, but there's one that stands out for you. And it's normally the one you make an effort to stay up to date with. And that's film for me. Yeah. Now, I, I, you know, some if it had been music, I'd be more up to date with music. I wouldn't necessarily be as in touch and I would have different tastes than younger people and stuff but i would know more of what's what and i just don't because i've, I've already i've got music for every fucking conceivable mood I, and so i've stopped investigating newer stuff whereas like film i'm perfectly well up to date you know it's just it's that really i'd rather go to a film festival a bit more fucking comfortable for a start <laughs> Not always. You sat in like a sort of chair for ages. Yeah, it appeals to me more. But again, I'm in the wrong part of the world. I'd love to go to the London Film Festival or something, but I'd have to go and stay up there. And staying in London is well fucking expensive. No, I remember. That. I think it's the first and the only year that I did that, and I kind of learnt the hard way where to sit at <laughs> a review. I was just like, um, I can't sit at the front because James King sits there. I can't. Oh, bloody hell! That was a nightmare. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to have done that experience. What, what, but what, what you, you did sat in James King's seat? Yeah, there's one screen you went to, and I just thought, oh, there's nobody else here, I'm going to sit. And he was like, oh, excuse me, can I sit there? I was like, I'm sorry. I'm going to Oh, dear. But yeah, no, it's, it's, I think having done Gusto and everything, I think, well, I can't afford it anymore, it's pricing the outside, Lee, but yeah, I think anything like that, and plus I don't like to camp so much. Luckily, we stayed in the B&B and got a coach there and back I, every day. I, when I, say, I, I, so could be, I couldn't do the same. I, with the, if I was with the right person in life who was interested in some of this stuff, I, my horizons would broaden because I, I've always been an indoor guy because of fucking films and shit like that and Only Child and so on. But I'd love to meet someone who went out and did a lot of these things and I would join in and like have my horizons broadened. So it's not that I refuse to fucking do these things, but I'm not a camper. I'm really not. I'm not a fucking roughing it guy. I'm just not. No, I suffered it when I went to Glastonbury and I did it quite happily. You do sort of tune it into It depends on your upbringing as well. That's interesting you say like indoor person being an only child. I think you can be an only child and be an outdoor person. And also you can have siblings and be indoors as well. It just depends yeah. on your upbringing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think time, but... you're the sort of like person who likes to go camping or not. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't not like speaking. the idea that much. Um, 
So I suffered it for Glastonbury. And after a day or two, you tuned into it anyway. It's fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm not there on the Saturday going, this is fucking miserable. I was having a great time. But yeah, you get home leave, but yeah. and you t- tidy yourself up and then you think back on it and you go, yeah, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> the price, the price. It just depends, really, isn't it? It's all part of the experience. Phenomenal. The price progression at Glastonbury is phenomenal as well. Yeah. If you look what it costs now compared mm. to what I paid only 15 years ago, it's phenomenal. They they just suddenly started like it's accelerating a, the price. It's a tenner each year, isn't it, or something like that now? Uh, it's, it's probably a little bit more. I mean, even like the two years that I went, it it jumped up in price in, in that short space of time. What years did you go? Uh, 09 10 I think oh, 09 and 10 yeah they'd already started going up dramatically by then mm. when I went but then I was working full time so uh, I'm just going to see yeah it does look like it's a tenner ago yeah I went uh, 09 10 11 and 13 oh, I didn't see you Chris sorry about that it's alright don't think we knew each other then. No. <laughs> Very rude of you, Becca. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think last time I went was like one of the ones when Rolling Stones played, and I think they were like the, the only really major one that I was actually really keen on seeing. Yeah. And it was just it was just one of those things where, like, funny enough, I lost the tent on the way back. And, oh no! Well, well, that, well, I kind of, I kind of took that as a sign, saying, "Yeah, you're done," because I feel like I was just in the. Early 30s. Yeah, I had to borrow that stuff. I don't have tents and shit mm. like that, so I had to borrow it off people. And you know, I don't know. Yeah, but I kind of took um, that as a sign of saying that. Yeah, you know, it's, you, you well, just, you go. You right. just see T- the stones. So right. I think ticket tickets will cost two hundred and sixty-five pounds plus booking fee. Uh, payable would right. So you can pay it in installments. Basically, it's two hundred and seventy quid. You can't do it in chunks, but still. When I went, it was about one hundred and twenty-five, and that in itself a grown dramatically doubled in a decade mm. Mm. um we expect prices to go up we're aware like fucking inflation's a thing i'm not oh I'm yeah not no yeah, it's it's high, stay the same. but it accelerated quite quickly in the four or five years after i went it just did um i'm Mostly actually kind of got like the upkeep of the site as well i'm sort of surprised it's only 265 now although that's a lot I, I, it's kind of double what I paid. And it, I it is, it is, double. it is like going on holiday though, really, because it's like it the, the, the time you have to take off the food. The, yeah, the food is quite expensive. Food, travel, inside, yeah, yeah, food, travel. You know, you, yeah. you, you, you accommodation if you, you don't. You're paying camp. at least uh, four hundred fifty quid. You know, and if you, if you do, you know, some festivals like, um, like. Reading and Leeds, for example, they had sort of like glamping tents, but they're sort of a few, you know, a couple of hundred. Oh, you can do similar at Glastonbury, but it's really expensive. Yeah. Like I, I appreciate it is part of the experience. Um, and and, and, then, and then you roll in a dice on what the weather's going to be like, whether you're going to be like. That's yeah, kind so of what's going to be funny. Is it going to be hot? I'm not good in shit weather. I will admit that. Like, I'd love to be more outdoorsy than I am, but. I'm not good in weather. I don't like standing out in fucking rain and stuff. I really don't. In fact, the second year, I, I did go and see plenty, but like I spent a lot of time in the comedy tent like the second year. Yeah. I wasn't going to stand in the field getting pissed on. Um, and so, they had yeah. like a cinema tent and everything as well. Yeah. Yeah, they had all that. Although the cinema tent's quite a way away from where we were. Because we mm. were like Pennard Hill Ground, is it? We were, basically, we were the oh, okay, few yeah. 
way with the field over from the stone circle. It's a huge sprawling site, isn't it? So amazingly, Dave plonked himself near the drugs. Well done. <laughs> you got the uh, best spot in the I have not. I have not taken anything illegal for fucking years. Not that my listeners would care. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I count near the drugs. So anyway, we just talked about festivals over like probably like the, the film's biggest uh, <laughs> set piece. Uh, yeah, and and the, and the death of like a, the major one of the major villains. So. <laughs> yeah, she. Exp- that's when she was dressed as Liberace Stroke General Zod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and she wanted him to write down that she was the best sex ever. Yeah, so that's when she went really fucking OTT, went overboard, like I'm mad as a hatter. See, that... Yeah, but some of us don't need to like ask people to write that down. <laughs> this just arrives in the mail, whether you want it or not. Is that the guy? Is it is, is Largo's Butler? Is that the one you said looks like Dalton? The one that looked like Dalton was just in uh, as Domino was walking through the, um, the sort of arcadey bit of the casino. There was a guy, a machine behind her that looked oh, like right. Dalton did in License to Kill. Only in passing, if you look quite quickly, sort of thing. I'm just in a bit with Bond in the uh, in the dancing studio, playing music very loudly. Oh, this is where he finds the sort of. Oh no, no, no! He's on the boat. And, oh yeah, no, this is where he finds the sort of spunk sprayed area. <laughs> it's very high it's very high tech considering it's just like it's a... just disco volante just sounded so much better than flying saucer didn't it anyone well considering it's a direct translation yeah i'm aware of that but the the untranslated sounds better disco volante <laughs> it sounds more exotic doesn't it this sounds better. Well, you see UFO. <laughs> no, sorry, cla- classy observation. I'd said it out loud before I realised you can see a nipple through that. <laughs> Side boob. I meant to think it though. I meant I meant to use my inner monologue, Dave. I meant to use my inner monologue, but clearly I must have been I can see her nipples. Genuinely. That's not a joke. I meant to, I meant to say it in my it. head it's, it's and then realised I just voiced it. It's good that you're amongst friends and you're not like on the bus or something in the morning going, I can see yeah, it. It's, it's at not, least you're not releasing yeah. it on the internet or anything. Yeah, no. Like, only you two will ever hear this. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> I can see you. No. And of course, Unless we want a long period of silence on the recording, I've got to leave this in because of time. <laughs> it's on the film. So, yes, I accidentally blurted out that I could see her nipples. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody else will never know. Not that you were lucky, Dave. <laughs> to be fair, well, it was very, very noticeable. It, it's You can see it there, Chris. She's just gone over to the thing thing. See, there, look. They're both looking at the sort of pennant thing. I mean, security's very relaxed, isn't it? I mean, the uh, Bond's just, like, just wandering around like you're doing. <laughs> I know, and that's meant to be some priceless thing and it's just left there hanging. Yeah. The film's lost lost its momentum completely now. Mm-hmm. 
So he's on the boat. He's trying to um, get back to uh, MI6. While Largo is just smashing the place up because he's in a. He's in a. How dare you? Right. Uh, he's still kissing Kim Bassinger right now. Oh, okay. He's, he's pointedly looking at the mirror, so he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Obviously, he would do because he's found that room. And Largo's like, you fuckers. That axe might be useful later. <laughs> First time I sort of noticed it's above the door like that. I think this film also suffers. Yeah, I mean, it, it it's remaking Golden Era Bond. Now, what you think is best era Bond is very much personal taste because, like, Spy Who Loved Me is a lot of people's favourites, so you might like them in 70s or something, but there's no doubt the Bond series at its peak and its most popular and everything was the mid-60s. Sean Connery's probably still the iconic James Bond if you had to name one. And so it's remaking the Golden Era. But what makes it worse is Thunderball might be the most exquisitely designed of those films. The set design in Thunderball is beautiful. And of course, this really isn't in the same way. So, yeah, there's our show notes sorted. Dave forgets his indoor voice. (laughs) (laughs) That's one from the trailer. I can see it. It just sounded like it must sound to anyone listening that like it's a contrived comedy bit. I promise it isn't. We talk <laughs> offline quite a lot, the three of us. And like, <laughs> no, listeners, both, Dave is really like that. They, they will, a, they will back up that I'm totally like that. But they will also back up that I've been complaining for a few days that I'm tired because I can't sleep. I'm having a terrible spell of insomnia. And in fact, we're late recording tonight, basically because one of our number forgot, which is easy. Done. But <laughs> it's fine. Not pointed at all, Chris. Um, <laughs> no. it, it, no, to be fair, you have had a busy week, Chris. It has been a lot of, genuinely, you know. Genuinely, it was based on us agreeing on Friday night that we were going to record on Sunday. And I was so tired. The only point I'm making is I could not remember if I'd imagined it, misunderstood it, misheard it. My brain, I'm not thinking particularly straight at the moment. I'm just absolutely like fogged with tiredness. Um, so, yeah, me, me blurting that out a minute ago was totally like, oh shit, I said that out loud. Nope. Why is like the the sweater rolled like rolled across your shoulders and tied like? Why is that always a douchey look? I think he has seen uh, the episode of Ken Bar- of Coronation Street where Ken Barlow was dating Alma Sedgwick and went on a picnic with her, dressed <laughs> like that, and thought that man's had a ton of pussy. I think <laughs> I would love him dressed the same way. Sean Connery's eyebrows do not match his hair. That's been bugging me the whole film. <laughs> I had noticed. I was too busy looking to see if I could see his nipples through his shirt, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What else has Kim Bation have been in? She's been in Batman and the Confidential. Nine and a half weeks. Oh, Blind date with Bruce Willis. Yeah. Which is a one joke film. 
don't get her drunk she goes crazy great and then she's a nutcase for the entire film uh she was in the remake of the getaway with without oh yeah which i've not seen but it was a it was to have because the original was a real life couple as well because it was Stephen queen and lally mcgraw oh yeah she um she was married to alec baldwin she was yeah they had a really really um cantankerous divorce really yeah incredibly nasty they married for a while weren't they i think they were married for about 10 years or so Mm. but yeah they they can't be around each other now it's pretty bad apparently i'm just gonna look her up actually because um she's got other things i can't think of you know filmography she's not at all a bad actress she didn't make it that young, i.e. she wasn't really a name before this film and she's already in her 30s. Not old by any means, but just like she wasn't a big star at like 19 or something. Well, she was in Fifty Shades Freed. I didn't know that. I'd seen it. And she was in Fifty Shades Darker. She's obviously a feature in That's one things. series you guys are going to have to do on your own. That's creepy. That's creepy, me and Chris doing like, should we do that symbolic <laughs> film, Chris? I'm not touching not that. Not that we're oh, suddenly going to talk like that, but she was in The Nice Guys, which I have seen now, Chris. We talked about yeah. that on a summer review and I haven't seen it, but I, I saw it a few months afterwards. She was in 8 Mile, I remember she'd been in that. Mm. Um... LA Confidential, pret porte which obviously was a... Was that a Robert Altman film? I think yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. The Getaway. My Stepmother's an Alien. I remember, I remember that film. Yeah. She's uh, been a few, like, uh, 90s films, like Final Analysis. That's like with Richard Gere. Uh, I mean, she was in stuff when she was younger, but it was all, like, TV in the odd episode. I'm saying her film career didn't really kick off in earnest till around here. Nine and a half weeks until LA Confidential was probably the film she was most famous for. And Batman, but then. Well, until Batman then, rather. That's probably a better way to put it. Forgot about Batman for a minute. That was meant to be Sean Young, but we knew that we know. No, sorry, Sean Young was meant to. Yeah, no, that yeah, is right. Yeah, Sean was, was meant to be in it, yeah. I got confused with Catwoman there. No, she tried to become Catwoman afterwards. Mm. She like turned up in full homemade Catwoman outfit and things like that. She bit of a head case. I mean, it's really funny. You go and watch like the special features for like the Batman film, and she's on them with a bat logo behind her. Sean Young. She's like, you weren't even in it. Mm. Um, yeah. This this section of the film I struggle to remember very well, just because I just remember always getting very bored during it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the problem is you just you just have like the bike chase bit, and you yeah. think you think the film's going to sort of wind up to its climax, and it's like, no, we're going to have another bit of that, that was highlight. Although when you listen to the commentary, you find out how compromised that bike chase was. They never knew what they were getting, you know, Kirshner or whoever would ask for a bike that could do X and they'd be promised it. And when it would turn up, it couldn't do X or at least make sure it's got this on it. We want something that looks like that. And when it would turn up, it didn't. So most of the time they were kind of improvising what they would be able to do. And that against the background of having to say at every stage to three or four different interested parties, can we do this? 
Yeah, sounds like a minefoot, really, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. So but in some respects, McClory got what he deserved because he was obsessed with all this. It ruined his mm. life. Yeah. I just think like he'd probably be better off if he just struck a deal with Eon. Yeah, be a minority shareholder or or do a deal for some subset of bonds you might be able to do something with. Because his case always sounded really thin. And in fact, I think he got a lot further because of Eon's natural caution, and which mm. I'm not criticising them for, by the way. Um, you know, they were going to use Blofeld in The Spy Who Loved Me, mm. and they didn't. And it's like, well, that never actually got tested in court at that stage that they couldn't. But the very fact that they didn't almost gave it by default to McClory, if you like. Well, if Eon is saying we'd best not use Spectre and Blofeld, then you're effectively saying you don't believe you should be using it or yeah. you're scared to use it. So you at least think I might own it. So it can egged on by Eon. Eggdon's the wrong word, but certainly their reticent reticence probably emboldened him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. They're, but they're but they're running a one yeah. a, a one property business. They, yeah. They're going to be cautious. Eggdon non deliberately kind of thing, and it wasn't like don't so, think. Oh, I might have something inadvertently here. encouraged. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he kept announcing different things back in the nineties. He said there was going to be a TV show, like twenty six one hour episodes, and. You know, whenever it got tested in court, he was basically, well, you can remake Thunderball as much as you like, as long as it's the book. <laughs> so, but you can't make a film series out of that. So there was clearly a disparity between what he thought he had, what he really had. And I just think it's an insult. He worked on one script with um, McClory and Jack Whittingham, who he never gave any credit to. Jack Whittingham got cut out of all of this. And he gets... Um, he worked on one script for an already established character. It's just that that story, mm. he argued, was the basis of the cinematic character who is different from the literary character in, like, some of his manner, you know, in, in his manner. And also that book obviously invented Blofeld and Spectre. So he just claimed he had a right to it. It's like, I don't, I don't get it. I've never quite understood his case. To me, if he's been ripped off then that's satisfied by making him a producer on the cinematic version of Thunderball. On top of that, you might have given him a cut of book mm. profits and maybe that's it. I'm, I'm really not sure where this shit came from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it is crazy thinking you still managed, you're still wanting to do it as well. Still I, do, I do consider myself a, a diehard Bond fan, but I do also recognise that there are way more committed Bond fans mm. than me. And I would think Becker's one of them as well. I mean, I, a lot of the reason I don't go to JBR things is distance and where it is. But if it was on my doorstep, I wouldn't go as much as Becker does. Mm. It's just not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I can't live in one character that much. But I do, I do consider myself a diehard Bond fan, but there is a degree of fandom beyond mine that really can't deal with this film existing. And I get why. I get why this film should never ever have happened. I'm glad it, it did though, because it's something to talk about. Yeah, but yeah. the only thing that the one the thing that helps is me is that the official Bond film this year is just an, one of my very least favourite. This is one of the worst effects in cinema history. 
That's a bit of a dodgy effect, that one. Look I, at I that. must admit. Even for, even for 1980s. Yeah. yeah, the horse is falling now. Well, it's not. Yeah, even it? for 1983. Yes. I mean, that would actually kill them, wouldn't it? Well, it's just the projection. You get a shot of their face just as they go over. Yeah. That looks terrible. And then the horse falling is clearly superimposed. You can't do it for real. I understand that. But if you can't do it, don't do it. And that didn't work. Some of the stunt work that where, where it's not Sean and that's obvious, but even then it still looks closer than Roger. Mm. Still, it's still better stunt work than Roger Moore's, or closer stunt work. You can see her nipples. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yesterday's news. <laughs> Use your indoor voice, Chris. <laughs> In a monologue. In a monologue. Yeah. <laughs> that's thing you say indoor voice. That 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 just makes me even more ruder. Because I'm not like in, in well, I don't mean indoor voice. Chris doesn't have an indoor voice. Yeah. I don't mean it's just a funnier phrase. Yeah. I don't mean indoor voice. Becker's writes in a monologue, which just sounds funnier. Problem for Jordan, that one, but my voice. And he's having a hot, steamy shower. Steamy. Oh yeah, I remember that. Huh? We're not at that yet. Oh yeah, now yeah. we are. It's under the shower now. The um, yeah. So looking forward. How far away is Austin Powers? Let's have a look. Austin Powers. We're going to do it as commentaries, but that comes after Planet of the Apes, which is we start the Terminator next week. Then we got John Wick, Fast and Furious, Spider Man, Lethal Weapon, Planet of the Apes, and we'll do the Austin Powers film after that. It- so it'll be a year or so away, but we'll we'll do them. Yeah. Becca's been asking since the start. We got her like we can't just keep saying no. <laughs> but we've so never you can bump said... it down, bump it down. Well, fine. to be fair, we never said no. We just that other, other, other series. No. You never we said, said never. What we actually said was not sure how that would work. But then we went, let's do commentaries because they're not reviewable films. Mm. Not not in that way. You can do a short written review, but you can do a two hour podcast critiquing. Yeah. But we can just you do could. I don't see what the problem is with that. You'd have nothing to say, Becca. <laughs> I might be wrong, it's only an opinion, because I've gone into shows thinking we'll have loads to say and we've struggled and vice versa. So you, you never know for certain until yeah. you do it, but you could assess all the different spy film pastiches. But no, I think they're more suited to commentaries, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So let's do that. It's another one where we may skip the Bond commentary around that time as well, because otherwise that would be five Bond, five commentaries in a row. Mm. Yeah, so we'll probably skip, you know, Bond. I think after that we go on the board or something like that. Let's get ahead of ourselves. We'll start the Terminator next week. Which I watched yesterday. I'm going to do a couple of viewings of it, but I did watch the Terminator yesterday. I watched the Terminator and two Rambo films, basically. Oh yeah, there's a new Rambo coming up. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got the written review of it, so I'd need to watch the originals again. Yes. And you got that new Brad Pitt film coming out as well. Ad Astra, I'm watching Yeah, that looks really yeah. good. I'm not down to review that. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if I looked, probably no one is, and I could put myself down, but no, I've got one that week. I'm seeing that. What I was going to do was see Rambo next week and assume Ad, Ad Astra will last more than a week and see it the following week. But a friend of mine said, let's just go both nights. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'll see Rambo on Friday and Ad Astra on Saturday, and then we'll record the Terminator on Sunday. He's still been underused, hasn't he, uh, Felix? Even in this one, yeah. yeah. Well, he's always just a side character. It's like, 
Hello, how can I help? You need a backup in any way? Okay, here we are. Some films it's better than others. I mean, some films it's ludicrous. I mean, yeah. like The Living Daylights, I'm not even sure why Felix Light is in that film. <laughs> At all. I don't I don't get the point. I mean, he's even bland anyways. <laughs> yeah. But like some of them were all right, Jack Lord. Rick Van Nutter was all right in Thunderball. David Hedison's great. David Hedison's your favourite, isn't he, Becca? Uh, yes. Can't disagree. Yeah, I think he's kind of like ideal Felix. But then Jeffrey Wright's pretty cool as well. He's just very sort of like laconic. Well, cynical Felix. For a more cynical age. Sanchez. Epic Sanchez. Actually, I quite like these um, the the cave sequences. That's pretty cool. What the the underwater bits here? Yeah. Yeah, it's not too bad leading up to something, but the problem is that it, the end fight ends with. It's slow. And it, yeah, it is a bit of a slow. And you, you can't always tell who everyone is. Yeah, I think. It's like when people say, and I've said it, sort of, well, I've sort of said it, where people say, oh, we need to see Craig's scuba dive. But that's if you treat Bond as a tick list. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he needs to do this. I'd love to see every Bond do this, 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 and this. Yeah. Like, Roger Moore did all of them because he was in the role so long. Pierce did quite a few of them, given it's four films, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Daniel hasn't done it, nor has he skied properly. He's been in snow, but he hasn't skied. But then I look at it and I go... That is just treating it as a tick list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, part of me doesn't want to see any Bond scuba dive because it's crap. Skiing's different. I, I'd love to. I like to see skiing sequences. Or all set at snow. Yeah. Yeah. I still wish Craig had skied. I think his knee. Yeah. Not, oh my god. I think his knee. That was I the think, biggest, one of the biggest disappointments. He refused, sure. and I think I don't think he refused to be a misanthrope. I think he refused because it was he had that knee problem, didn't he? Yeah, it's more health grounds. I think. Mm. I don't know if we'll see it this time around for my time to die, but... Um, I don't think there's anything in snow in this film. I don't know. So far. Well, I've seen quite a lot of set photos so far, and none of them have been snow yet. They're still... Well, they're, film, they're, they're filming in Matera as we speak in Italy. They've that, done... That, that section of the film looks so beautiful. I'm just Everyone's going to go to Matera and how's that, like... Yeah. Probably a destination. I've only got one problem with it. Fucking DB5 again. But again, get shot up, so it'll be all right. Let, let's get it. Well, I don't need it to be shot up. I don't. I don't. I don't have a hate complex on the car. <laughs> I just think it's it's lazy fan service. Yeah, well, um, we'll see. We'll see where it figures. You've got to give we'll fans what they figures. need, what they not what they think they want. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how it figures. That's the problem with Star Trek Discovery. A lot of the fans like it, and they like it because it's lazy as shit. Um, because it's giving them what they think they want which is lots of callbacks to the original series and filling in bits and it's like well if you were designing this afresh you'd never put this shit in yes so that's the problem with the db5 we went without seeing that car for 30 years why are we seeing it every single time the only way that i will forgive it this time is if that is pre-title and it literally follows on from spectre if it literally is like a time jump after that, then fine, because they drove off in the DB5 last time. 
But even then, it's got the wrong number plate on it. It reminds me that, like, what some of the things that were said about the new Star Wars films, uh, like, 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 particularly in terms of like the X wings, it's like, oh, we see the X wings because they're the most instantly recognisable ones. But where, mm. but where, but where, where, where the, where's the variety of the spacecraft out there? Like, where's, you, you, where's the you make your, you make you you don't encourage new designs, but you make yeah. the world smaller as well. Yeah, yeah. Like everything looks the same, but it's more the fact that. Chris said it best when we were talking about Skyfall in the original series, where he said it's a series falling in love with itself. You can see it with Sherlock. You can see it with Doctor Who. It's constant little nods, references and winks for fans. And it's like, well, fans could live without this stuff because they did for 30 years. And I think it's self-indulgent. And I just think also it, it happens to I think on a personal note, it's lionized the car I'm not that fond of anyway. It's like there are other there are other Astins. As much as I care about cars, which ain't much, there are other Astins that we've seen in Bond films that I like so much more. It's quite interesting. We haven't seen, you know, obviously we've seen like the, the silver at the DB5, but I want to see more of the car from um, Living Daylights. Well, we're going to see some of that. I'm really looking forward to seeing in, in yeah. Time's Die. Again, say, alerts, I, but I, I, I would leave all of this fan service out because i think it it speaks to a mindset that isn't healthy when no, you're I'd rather, to be honest, i'm kind of holding reserving well, judgment on it i'd rather see where it figures into the film what about any new cars why, why can't bond drive any new cars well he did last time briefly in the yeah, he might drive another car just that we haven't seen it it hasn't been released by the yeah. press just yet yeah, so. yeah, but, yeah but why can't he drive like a new of a fast car like that's that's all kitted out you know yeah i know what you mean I, ju- I just think it's bringing back the DB5 all the time is a bad idea. Mm. The, the ca- Becca's right on the caveat, though, that it might follow on directly from the last film. There might be a reason for it. It might just be pre-title. You don't know. We don't know. Um, if you go into bring in legacy Aston Martins, though, I would like to see more variety because it, it strikes me that like putting the DB5 in all the time is... It's almost like fan service created by somebody who's only read the Wikipedia page on the series. You know, what What was the biggest film? Oh, Goldfinger was the one where it was at its most iconic. Oh, yeah. all right, what was the car in that? Let's use that. And you think, well, the, the, the critical darling in the series now actually is the Lazenby film. You think, well, use that one. That car's beautiful. It looks very like the Dalton one, actually. Um... But it's just a sign of a series dying. Like if you start to sort it of becomes just, a tribute if, act. If you yes, only if you only reference yourself, you're just essentially creating your own tomb because you're not moving forward. Because then days like you're not speaking to anyone else other than the fans. It's and, like when people and then, say, we, and then the fans yeah. themselves actually start to get bored of it. It doesn't draw in anyone new either. Yeah. I think the other problem is it's like. And I used to think this wasn't a bad idea. And then I thought about it and thought, no, it's a dreadful idea. Someone once said, a lot of people have said, Bond should go back and be in the 60s. Largely, it's it tends to be quite conservative types who go, all this PC shit, um, let's put him in, back in the 60s. And I think, well, if you put him back in the 60s, you become a tribute act to yourself. That's what Tarantino wants to do, wasn't you're it? Saying, you're saying you've got nothing more to say than... Um, won't we once great doesn't mm. this evoke it tarantino wanted to set it in the fleming era he wanted to set it in the 50s he, I, and, he to, and to fairness make, he it would have been a one-off as well 
yeah it would have been a one-off and it would have been a, a hybrid of lots of different things it wouldn't have been a tribute to like goldfinger that's not what he wanted to make he wanted to make it set in the 50s and i think he wanted it black and white it would have been a very very different beast Yeah, so little nods, okay. But when you think as well, in the last five Bond films, two of them have been big anniversaries, two of, you know, mm. 40th and 50th. And they were so full of shitty fucking fan service, it was laughable. Particularly Die Another Day, where they just dumped all the props in the middle of the room. <laughs> That's like, crazy. If, if all you've got is to congratulate yourself, then this series needs new blood. And if that means no Aston Martins, then so be it. You know, yeah, Becca's right. You got to see how it's used. But so far, the way they've used the Aston in the Craig era, not impressed. Yeah, they just too put too much emphasis on it. That's it. It's yeah. I mean, we said we said it all before anyway. Like you know, should just keep it as like his car and just have it as like as a passing thing. I didn't mind how it was used in Goldeneye tomorrow. Never. No, no, Goldeneye yeah. did because they made a big chase out of it, which I thought was ludicrous. The way it was used in Tomorrow Never Dies, where he just drove back to the office in it. Yeah. He, you know, phoned in Oxford. Right, I've got to get back there. It, okay, see him heading to Whitehall it's, with it. It's day-to-day car when he's out. Like, yeah. I like that. I like that because Bond is a bit old-fashioned and nostalgic mm. as a human being anyway. He, he would be someone looking back to, like, a, a different time when men were men you know what i mean i i um don't have a problem with that but skyfall where they open the garage door and it's like Di-di. it's like oh fuck off it's like yeah let's do uh, yeah let, let's all just wank off now shall we <laughs> yeah uh, there yeah. was a thematic reason to have that car there but even then the filmmaking really just went on look, look we're giving you a present <laughs> christ this film's fucking boring no wonder we've gone off the point <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing. It's like that's a that's a quite a poorly built set as well. Funny enough, there's a lot to be said for the underwater photography as well. Funny enough, this is like one of the first things I, I remember, like earliest memories of a Bond film. I can. Well, well, we did think we were hedging our bets, but we do think this may have been the first Bond film you ever saw. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. At least Don't the end of it. Becca, what was the first Bond film you ever saw? Not theatrically, I mean full stop. Um, oh, there's a question. See, I was amazed you two don't know, particularly Becca, because we're all big Bond fans. But if you had, you had to like rank well, our fans. Well, for me, it's, it's, it's between two. It also would have been like ITV on a bank holiday. I say it was either a Spy Love Me or V to a Kill. I think. Right. Okay. One of the two. Well, you but saw it pop up in the title credits, and it's always Spy Love Me era, so it could be anyone. Because yeah, because um, the thing thing for me is though it's like I would have I would have like watched like probably parts of it on TV and it would have been something that my dad would have gone oh it's oh it's James Bond and and it would have been something that just would have crept in so I have no clear like memory of watching a Bond film for the first time yeah. do you know what I mean so because it happened so early I, on I understand that particularly when they have seasons and they're on mm-hmm. every week with me I do remember because I remember where I was when it was etc because mm-hmm. it was actually Christmas day so that's, a, that's a great time to watch and, and actually film. actually I was just sort of testing my memory because I've got an unusually good memory anyway but if I just look it up excuse the typing Christmas TV 1984 
I found the listings. I actually went to find the listings because when I told you the story online, I uh, on an episode, I remember saying to you um, that what it was was I wanted to watch Mary Poppins because I was eight and my mum wanted to watch Mary Poppins, but the men in the house insisted on watching um, The Man with the Golden Gun. So okay. I looked. So I looked up the schedules to see if I was accurate on that. And sure enough, there it is. Christmas Day on BBC One, nineteen eighty-four, yep. was three ten after the Queen's speech, Mary Poppins. And if you look at the, I'm just looking for ITV in the same. Oh, that's Christmas Eve. Hang on a minute. I should have got this lined up better hang on mm. on christmas day at 3 10 so the exact same time after the queen's speech man with the golden gun on itv there we are that was obviously the uh, the choice yeah so i watched man with the golden gun right. christmas day Good old christmas day so i know my relationship with james bond started at 10 past three on the on 20th, christmas day on the 25th of december 1984 I even, I even know the minute. Good, good for you. Well done. And, and it started with Roger Moore, you know, picking out oh, a bullet. I was too busy being six months old, so I can't really tell you, unfortunately. Started with it started with a shit Bond film as well, because the man with the golden gun, it has its defender. Or every Bond film has its defenders. Even die another day. But <laughs> because of Scaramanga, man with the golden gun is like a almost universally thought to be a weaker one, but it's a favourite for some people because of Nick Nack and Scaramanga. It's um. It has, it, you know, it is cooler when you're a kid, though. Like, Mango Gun is like... Knickknack's kind of cool when you're a kid and stuff. Um, and that little island, having your own little fun house and shit like that. Um, it's a, it's quite a bad film. I mean, it's it, at least it's sort of peak era Roger. Because, Roger, I mean, like, as I say, my main problems... He's not my tone, you know, the goofiness. And I, I don't like how fucking sleazy he is. That's That's the... That's the problem I've got. That it's, I think it's just a personal thing that I, I grew up with someone a bit sleazy, so I struggle with Roger trying to fuck everything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's not but quite it, that bad. But it gets worse. You're making it out to be a little bit worse than what it was. It gets, it gets worse as he gets up. Why have you to a kill? It's ridiculous. Um, but even in Moonraker... Well, yeah, she's so much younger than he he's is. He's addressing that woman without any like consent or interest at all. It, I, I find it unpleasant. Um... But by the way, Dave, I can see nips. Also, there's like in with with the tiger costume as well, there's a um maybe a bit of a crotch shot there, so it's a bit Where in this film? What camel toe? Just a little bit. <laughs> Which film? This one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is in the pool at the end. With the with oh. the tiger costume one. A swimming costume, obviously not. Oh look at Good baby, very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> Also, looking at the credits, no one wants to work on this film. Oh, hang on, you're not at the. You can't be at the credits already. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I've... We're still underwater We're here. Looking at the credits on IMDb.com. Mm. So sure. there, has to, there has to be other Bond connections, and obviously you've got Vic Armstrong arranging the stunts, and no one wants to. Dubbing editor, so that's that funny literary. because I remember when Norman Wanstall first watched Goldfinger because it's in the time we've known him. Mm. Um, and he was on Facebook openly yeah. saying 
he watched Octopussy one night and, and took to Facebook to slaughter it, right? Mm. He was totally like, that is not Ian Fleming's James Bond. That's an no. embarrassment. He he, said he's, that, more, he's more Bond purist, isn't he? And then I thought, yeah, you weren't working on it, were you? You were off doing something else. You were doing, doing something better. <laughs> you were doing something better in no. my opinion, but That's not to say good, though. They're at the pool now, so. But no, he's a legend. He's a very nice guy. Dorma wants those a lovely man. I held his Oscar. He's got some rather, <laughs> he's got some opinions of his generation. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I don't mean that to be nasty. He doesn't ever say anything racist or anything, but he's he's a very like conservative type. But he's a real lovely man. Yeah, if you ever, if you ever you know end up speaking about his career, this is if you ever get the chance to go and hear him speak about his time on the bonds and his time in the film industry. Yeah. Please do. And he will forever be the first Academy Award the series ever won. Mm. Sound editing for Goldfinger. Mm. That is such an insert from a studio, that. that is, yeah, you can obviously tell. Where she throws some in the water, but the way he's walking through, you know, the Eden Project or something. Years ago. It is a little bit like that. This character's fucking pointless. See, would it, it would have been better if he just played it like a Blackadder type. Like just speak, to... just speak normally, because this voice isn't funny. That's the thing; he's put this on as a comedy voice, and it's not funny. Oh uh, yeah, which is odd because Rowan Atkinson usually can make like. Oh, he's... I didn't see the camel toe. Oh, <laughs> it's more of a kind of quick shot style, yeah. I think. Still, I saw two nipples, two nipples for one camel toe. Yeah, the fair exchange. Um, so we are now into credits. I I don't know what to make of that film. The first half's okay. The first half's all right. It lacks all the Eon touches, but like Connery's engaged, and there's some there's a couple of bits that are better. Robert Rietti's in that film as Italian minister, Um, but there's a couple of bits that are better. Like the whole reason for being at Shrublands makes more sense, and things like that. And I think on balance, this Domino's better. You know, the other one was like kind of an untouchable beauty incredible beautiful woman but like bland so it's not all bad i prefer the largo here i appreciate that's not a completely uh, universal view but but it it just loses its way they don't know what they're doing with fatima at all and the last sort of hour of the film is actually really boring yeah it does drag at the end doesn't it really there's nothing yeah. here I mean, it starts off okay. Yeah, totally. But yeah. But there are worse Bond films. If you if you want to count it as a Bond film, I get why you might not. Yeah, Die Another Day is a worse film than this. I might prefer to watch Die Another Day though because it's more fun. I don't, or it's more fun to laugh at it. I don't know. It's a better film than it's a better film than Die Another Day. If we all got together, we we we'd probably watch it. Oh, we'd put Die Another Day on in a heartbeat, the three of us, if we were in the same place. Yeah. Yeah. It would be like when there's... Um, in fact, oh, that's it? what... Science Theatre 3000. That's what we'd put on first, though, because we wouldn't agree anything else. Because <laughs> you be and I have got to put Licence to Kill on, and Becca likes it, but I don't think it's, like, absolutely a favourite or anything. So yeah. she'd be like, oh, well, right. If I must. We'd all agree, Die Another Day. It, yeah. it, it, it's the Bond equivalent of a Christmas cracker joke. So bad that everyone agrees that it's terrible. That's yeah. true. I think you summed it up perfectly. It's like sticking on a carry-on film. You know what you're getting. Yeah. 
I think the effects might be better. Ah, but which one? <laughs> Camping, obviously. Not carry on screaming, no? I don't remember that one. I mean, I know they're all essentially the same film, but I don't remember that one. Well, not carry on, Matron. I used to date someone who adored the carry on films. We weren't together that long, though, so I never, I never got to like watch and watch her enjoy them. But um, yeah, she had the whole box set of all of them. And I'm not looking down my nose at that at all. It's just it just it was incongruous. It surprised me. I don't meet many Carry On fans, particularly our generation. Mm. Um, yeah. So that in it because I'm a bit nostalgic for that. I can almost like build up a bit of nostalgia for them because it makes me think of her. But. Um, yeah, it's still like I don't meet many Carry On fans. And there we are. I've got the shittest DVD screen ever. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I've got a little bit further to go. You're both on pal, and we knew Becca yeah. was, but you're you're whatever you're watching is pal as well. And still running through now. Elstree Studios that was recorded at. How about that? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not as classy a piece of work as... Our, there's a part of me that almost would like to watch Octopussy now just to get those Eon touches again. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. this film just mm. missed something, didn't it? Yeah. Sean ain't enough. Barbara said that on... <laughs> uh, Barbara said that on uh, the Everything or Nothing thing. He said, you know, there's a lesson. You can't just throw Sean Connery at it and that's it. Mm. You know? It's it's a it's all of its uh, production history and tropes and little touches and things that have built up over time. You can't just put Sean Connery on the screen in a completely unrelated thing and say it's the same thing. It isn't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, mm. I guess maybe part of it that part of the the, the success franchise is part of the attachment to everything else. But you have yeah, to do enough. Where got, that's where you got to walk a fine line. Yeah. And, the, the, that's why I think with the DB5, I understand the, I understand the instinct that. But again, that the way. DB5, it's the same argument for Sean. You can't just throw a DB5 at something. It's 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 not just the fact of one particular thing. It is like the tropes. It is like I mean, yes, you yes, yes you have the gun barrel, but you every time you have the gun barrel, you're evoking your own history. But it's Bond but, gets a mission. It's the Q scene, and you don't have like the same things happen each time. It's a different environment, different gadgets. People have more people have more emotional attachment to cars mm. in some cases, and they're quite sexy things to some people. So it isn't the same thing. But to use a silly example to illustrate how stupid it looks to be bringing this thing back all the time, imagine that harpoon from like Thunderball was just brought out in every film for no reason at all, other than remember this from Thunderball. It's a bit like that. You get the point. Life. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, or he just forced that line in every time. I feel a bit that way about "I'll be back" from Terminator. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bond has to introduce himself somewhere, so he may as well have a format and you make a bit of a catchphrase of it. I get that, but "I'll be back" being crowbarred into every Terminator film is now getting to the point that it's like you've missed what about that line worked in the first place. I mean, it worked because it was Arnold. I mean, it, uh, that, that's the thing. It was like a, a thing he said in Terminator. Then he said it in, I think, Commander. I think where he was when he said it, how he said it, yeah. the subtext of him saying it. You know? Yeah. And it just came like a catchphrase. And that's what it was. It was like Arnold's catchphrase. So mm. I get it. 
I, I get that you... he started using it in every film, but I even saw it in the trailer for the new one, voiced by by Linda Hamilton. Yeah, it's just like it's not that good a line. It only worked in the basis but of the, the thing. So you... I think I think it was only like up until like when you reach into the early nineties where he he kind of stopped or it kind of started to die down because when he, when he did like Last Action Hero, was that's when he was like taking a piss out of all that. You know, the, the, the line where he says, like, I'll be back. And he goes, ha, you bet you didn't think I was going to say that, did you? Because that's what you always say. <laughs> you know, it was it was, it was that, that was this kind of thing where he starts sort of like, uh, I mean, like, True Lies, I don't think he actually said it. I can't remember him saying it in True Lies. So I might be sort of, there might be a conscious effort to kind of like knock that on the head after that. But, yeah. yeah. But then, obviously. Of course, then he went into politics and his whole fucking speech making was based around, like. Your Terminator. His- <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sort of thing was will terminate. Get to the sharper. <laughs> yeah, everything was like. Anyway, that's um, our last bond commentary. Well, we're going to do another bond commentary in about seven or eight weeks because uh, we've got another series coming. We'll bookend it. I know what my choice is next time. Um, so yeah, um, looking forward to that. Do you know what my choice is? I'm not going to tell you on air, but do you remember? I can't remember now. I'll tell you off here in a bit. Because um, when Becca said I'm looking forward to that, it's like, well, I know she likes most Bond films, but it could be fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever tell, it is, I'm looking forward to it. I'll tell you off here. Even bit. if it's Die Another Day, which I know it probably won't be. We've done Die Another Day. So I know. <laughs> it's not going to be that. Um, uh, so anyway, as for social media, you can find me at the Pastor Kid 1976 on Twitter. Oh, you can find all the episodes on UK, where we are available on uh, Spotify, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, I think I said that right this time, and uh, Google Podcasts, uh, and all, lot, uh, all the rest of it. Yeah, so all the episodes are available on the website. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Expects Us Talk, and on Facebook, Do You Expect Us Talk, and also by the same name on YouTube, Do You Expect Us Talk. If you want, you can drop us an email, expect us to talk at gmail.com. So that's it. So, um, so Dave, I guess, which um, which film are we doing uh, when we're back? When, we, when, when, will we, when will we be back, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking to the wrong person, but you have only had nearly five years to learn the format of the show. <laughs> Becca, Becca, sign us off. <laughs> Are you trying to say? <laughs> Sorry. Becca, what are we back with? We'll be back. <laughs> there we are. I'll try to do all the really bad lines apart from the one that uh, oh, the one want that, to do, which I shall avoid. Apart from the line that Arnold has never said. <laughs> ever. Yeah. Ever, ever again. But yes, it's amazing. I'm quite excited for the series, actually. Yes, the expected talk will return with our review series of The Terminator.